I hate to go all technical on you, but all hands on deck, swirly thing alert! Attention! Listen, you motherfuckers. Buckle up, pedal heads. You're experiencing the Lotus Effect with Phoenix and Phone Boy. There's something wrong with us! Something very, very wrong with us! You are my podcast. My only podcast. So if you fucking take my podcast away, I'm going to shove my foot so far up your ass. Oh, my God. It's very creepy. Just a little weird. Maybe it'll catch on. Who knows? It is out of sheer morbid curiosity. I'm allowing this freak show to continue. How do you fix that, though? Take a big step back and literally suck my dick. Do I have your attention? Send your dick pics. (laughs) I got a whole folder full of dick pics. Are you interested? I know you are because it's fuck or walk. You're shitting me. Have you made your decision for Christ? To tell you the truth, I don't give a shit. I would not say such things if I were you. Who the fuck are you? Phone Boy and Phoenix. I don't know Phone Boy. Those two are those two are pretty interesting to listen to. They're fucking nuts! But they don't know shit about fuck, clearly. You just can't trust them. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <clears throat> Bullshit. I'm glad you heard all that. That's right. We are glad you heard all that. Welcome to episode 90 of The Lotus Effect, where the show is made up and the content doesn't matter. And I'm your fiery host, Phoenix. Let me start this off by clearly stating that I'm better than everyone. Uh, yeah, and I'm still phone boy and I'm still alive. Uh, Getting his ass chewed. Yeah, exactly. So we finally met (laughs) the man whose shit doesn't stink. Yeah! Yeah. So I, I think I can fix the situation in the short term here, but I'm going to have to. We're, we're just having some tech talk issues behind the mic because yeah. we've got something that's bugging Phoenix's brain that's causing one of those audible yeah. problems in our blo- uh, beloved studio. Yes, I know. But, pr- you know, a- we're not going to bore you all with the details that's going on behind the mic. We're just going to get on the, the show like this. What is this, a freak out? This is kind of strange. This is terrific. I think I'm going to be sick. Not a speck of light is showing, so the danger must be growing. Are the fires of hell a-glowing? Is the grizzly reaper mowing? Yes! The danger must be growing, for the rowers keep on rowing, and they're certainly not showing any signs I just had an orgasm. That's right. We had an orgasm too, Sir Bemrose, over the fact that uh, the Lotus Effect affects everyone differently. So however or wherever the Lotus is affecting you, thank you for your courage and for propagating the model of the Podfather himself. And if you're new to No Agenda Family, here's how it works. We are a value for value podcast. So we provide you some form of value through our entertainment, whatever that is worth to you. You can return it to us with your time, your talent, or your treasure. What does that you mean, you might ask? I'm glad you asked. Well, you can start off if you are offended by the money that is in your bank account, in your pocket, or anywhere else, that it can be transported into PayPal and sent to lotuseffect.show. Go to that website, click on the green button that used to be yellow, says we like money because we do. We're a charitable organization that will take your money off of your hands if it offends you. So you can send some of your fiat fund coupons via PayPal to us. You can also 
send us boostograms using a podcast 2.0 app. Now, if you don't have one of those, we would definitely wonder why that is after all this time and all the props that we have given this particular platform. But it's okay if you've been living under a rock and you hid out since COVID like, you know, Bin Laden did back in the day in that cave. Come into the new age. Come into the light, Carol Ann. Go to nudepodcastapps.com. Or if you're like us and you do nude podcasting, go to nudepodcastapps.com. Get yourself one of them newfangled podcasting apps, and then you can stream Satoshis and boost our show like all these other wonderful people do that we'll be talking about in a moment. Yeah. Boost me, bitch. That's right. And you can also send us stuff through the mail. So if you would like to send us a physical package or correspondence, you can hit us up in the back channel. We'll be glad to provide you the address for the Lotus Effect where you can send things. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I actually realized I was as I was trying to fix the issue that caused that that caused a, a slight false start. I think I accidentally kicked ourselves off our stream during that rant however the recording is, is running yes it's been one of those days folks I, i'm sorry i don't know what the it, it truly has yeah it has truly been one of those days so anyway i should be I th- the recordings were running so we didn't lose anything but it's just one right because at least we were smart enough to hit the record button twice twice so okay i there's there's a boostergram i'm not sure i read from a few weeks ago and i want to make sure i did it and i but and I, but uh i wasn't sure and now i'm going to make sure i do it and then i'm going to make it remove it from here but uh a, a, a white mic uh, boosted 18,000 sats saying, yo, does this thing come through live? Yeah, it does if you boost live. And we happen to be reading it and I happen to catch it. And sometimes sometimes I miss things because, you know, we're trying to do a lot of things here on the on the show. Uh, so um, we've also got um, we also had Phoenix boosting uh, 10,000 sats. This is a new live son of a bitch. And uh, there you go. I, I would have boosted. Uh, that particular thing when we started today, but for whatever reason, Fountain is being a fucking suck my dick bag. Fuck you! Exactly. And, uh, yeah, I went to fund my wallet, and the amount of Satoshis that I asked it to place in my wallet via my Bitcoin, yeah, it's still in pending status. So... Not real fucking happy, Oscar. Get your shit together, bro. Well, it's, a, it's Bitcoin for you. There's, there's a little, it's not. I don't think it's just Oscar. But uh, anyway, so same. So Dane Boosty Steed boosted thirty three thirty three sats, uh, saying "Bad Girl, Good Defense, Music Request, Whipping Post" by the Almond Brothers. Yeah, that was a great one. Uh, we also got you boosting a thousand sats, saying "Zombie Song" via Fountain. Yeah, I don't read my boosts anymore because it was pointed out of how narcissistic and shit it is to literally read the boosts that you make. For your own show, apparently it's frowned upon. You know, it makes us look bad. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not going to be doing it anymore. Yeah. Well, Piranasi boosted 99.99 sets saying Palaces of Montezuma, Nick Cave, which we played. Uh, we also uh, Dame uh, Boosty Steed again boosted 33.33 sets saying Stanley Pen Stanley Steely Dan Peg music request. And I actually had. I know that. you are not stoned because I've been with you all morning. I know you. I, you, you maybe need a drink of water. You know, pink slide. Yes, exactly. So um, now um, I have to explain that for the listeners who don't understand it. So when Phone Boy is doing a live presentation on Zoom for his day job, when he's doing a presentation, there are these pink slides because pink is the color for the company that he works for. And every time one comes up, I've told him, you need to take a drink of water. It's kind of a visual reminder to take a sip of water because when you're talking for that long, you're going to inevitably wear out your voice, kind of like we do during this shit show. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
so um, let's see. So um, you boosted 1147 sat saying fishing in the dark. NGDB. Happy Father's Day, Pop. Uh, except you spelled it uh, far, far. It's yeah, day. I realized that I got auto fucked by that. Didn't I just say I wasn't reading my boost? Yeah, but I, I'm reading. Oh, does it. that mean you get to read my boost? It's I do. still narcissistic. It's still our show. Yes, but I still think it's appropriate since they're music requests. Now, the Count of SF boosted with 8888 sat saying, hell yeah, Chris Kenobi, his lecture changed my life from low carb down under. Yes. I'm sure you're sure he that speak is it. amazing. Yes, we love that. Yeah, we love that. OK, wait a minute before I remember. OK, so this that is actually I wanted to make sure I'm because I'm, I'm writing down our, uh, you, you know, our, our, our potential show titles. right? Oh, I, I totally understand. So yes. I will pick up the baton for you mm-hmm. and tell people about how net Ned boosted thirty three thirty three saying Junior's Farm by Paul McCartney. Yeah, we did that. Then C Dubs came in with one oh one oh one. Nice. Yes. Code boost there. Cross app comments. Yes. Uh so I, I will explain this now. So with our uh, so in the last couple of episodes I have uh I have uh, I, I'm starting to participate in you know the more of the podcasting two point stuff and somebody and and C-Dub said, hey, I'm adding comment support to, to the BoostBot. I said, okay, what do I need to do? And he, you know, I went and said, okay, so now I've got an extra tag on there. So with every show, I create a, a post on Mastodon that I link into the into the show. And uh, and and so when you do a boost in, in, in an app, it'll actually show up in, in all in all the different apps that support these cross-app cross app, co- cross, uh, app comments, right? So the Boostagrams... Which is the- awesome because it means that your shit talking in Boostagrams is crossing the streams so it can be seen on no agenda and it can be seen pretty much anywhere else that's connected to this wonderful thing that c-dubs has done so thank you for your courage sir you are amazing yes exactly so we also have uh, we got a lot of test boost as a result of that so we get from taste buds a lot of 420s with test test token and token test and you know, i, I love that i don't know if taste buds is actually like a person well yeah yeah, i mean i don't know if it's c-dubs just jerking off or what but whoever you are taste buds thank you for your courage Yes, we appreciate all that. So now we also appreciate NetNet for his courage because he boosted a thousand sats saying "Drag the Waters" and another thousand sats saying "I am the Highway." This song, and then we've also got uh, he also boosted a thousand sats saying "For Bemrose, Bloodhound Gang, Fire, Water, Burn," which I had forgotten how much I adore that. BHG. No. Okay, so we got a, we got a bunch of other tests from uh, from taste buds of the 420 variety, and then C Debs comes in with 1420 saying, "Yay!" Well, that's what it was in ASCII anyway. It's an ASCII art. Yay! All right. So NetNet boosted 2,000 sets saying, "I don't know," uh, which would, which I believe was a song request, and then the last request for well, the. Well, you know, I know why he boosted that. I understand it was a song request, but it was also the answer when anybody asks him, why is it you think DLR is the better front man? I don't know. Jesus, okay. Oh, let the shade continue. And then his last request was Summer Nights, actually a, a Van Hagar track. So there you go. Um, it, yes, and he actually had done that on my behalf. So in kind, I curtsied politely like a lady. I don't know where it. the fuck I got that idea from. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, we played a little bit of uh, David Lee Roth's California Girls because, you know, one good musical turn deserves another. Yes. And so we, now we've also got, let's see, we got, I'm going to put this in the show notes here now. This is so uh, we've got, we had another, we had another, uh, you know, or, or C-Debs boosted 420 sats saying, uh, you know, test, test boost. Yeah, we, we definitely did a lot of test, test boost 
first in there. That's right. And then live picking up the slack for yours truly was Weirdo coming in with 3369 saying all hands on deck. This is a new live son of a bitch. And I got the documents to prove it by documents. I, of course, mean I took a screenshot of the live tag. Proof, nevertheless. That sounds good to me. Now, now, um, Cotton Gin also boosted right before the show. He boosted thirty three, thirty three. Sat Saints Benemit since I listened to some Zeppelin. Uh, and he boosted that via Podverse, uh, which we, we get a lot of boosts via Fountain, but we also get some via Podverse. They're both great. And they're both great applications. Uh, I've used them both. And um, but I but I will say that yeah. The, so you know we we have the stream here twenty four seven except when That's we right. except when we have internet outages. But um, oh my God, yeah. We'll, we'll talk get, about that in Toasting Jam. Uh, yeah. But if you want to get in on being part of this Boostergram party, because let me tell you, it is a great goddamn time. They had a great goddamn time. And you can do it during Studio 33. You can do it during Rideshare Radio, or you can do it live during the show at 4 o'clock central, like you're listening now. But you also can stream if you're listening to a past episode, or however you want to do it. Just Boost it, Spl- you know, splash the walls, spray it around. We love the Satoshis. Okay, but we also love we also love cash. Now people have. I actually had to go. I had to go look at the voice. I had to go look at our uh, at, at at our email because we don't because I don't look at the email very often. But uh, we we did actually get a couple of uh, we did get some Fiat Fun coupons in this in this bad boy. Woo! Uh, so we now ha- okay. So we get our month. We have our monthly donation from Sharky. It's seven dollars and sixty six cents. Which so you know, but. But, uh, but we also, I think, I think we need to recognize uh, Weirdo as the executive producer. Oh, you the executive producer? Yeah, because uh, he he's he set up a ten dollar monthly donation, and, and and that. Wow. Yeah, we we like Thank that. Thank you, Weirdo. We appreciate yeah, that. Thank so you, Weirdo, sir. So yes, I need to make sure I, I write down that because I've got to do this for later. I've got Weirdo at, at ten dollars, and then we've also got and then we've also got Sharky, which we uh, really do believe me. The donations that you all do, whether they be Satoshi, whether they be Fiat Fun coupons, physical. Um, you know, gifts that you send to the Lotus, even your feedback, because, you know, you can message us on No Agenda Social. He's phone boy and I'm Phoenix, P-H-E-O-N-I-X. Of course, there's an at sign in front of that. You know how to do it. You're old hat at this. You can email us phone boy at Lotus dot show or Phoenix at Lotus dot show. It doesn't matter how you spell Phoenix, because apparently phone boy was smart enough to set it up for those who don't actually know how to spell my name the way I use it. It's okay to spell it the way you were taught in school. I'm not offended. You can snail mail us. Like we said, if you want to send us something, you can send it through the federal uniformed member of the federal government service. We'll, you know, give you our uh, studio address. Something like that. In the back channel. Or you can do what a lot of people are doing. It's the new fad. Call 253-237-3321. Yep. One ringy dingy. Two ringy dingy. Dell Computers, this is Chip. Now, of course, Ernestine and Chip are not standing by, but Google Voice is, and it will mangle your transcription, so you probably will end up as a show title. But the reason you're calling that, unless it's just to request a song or give us some shit, yeah, it's to weigh in on that uh, topic we have every week, this week of which is, if you've been looking at No Agenda, do you pee in the shower? Come on, don't be shy. Tell us. You can trust us. We won't tell anybody. Only the whole world. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, yeah, now that now that you could also do, now this is also something, another way, of course, if you have a podcast, you, you can, of course, uh, uh, shamelessly mention our podcast. And I I, I think, uh, you know, there, there was some question with Sir Bemrose whether we listen to his podcast or not. Well, I, I, I can assure you that we do. 
Next, Barracuda Networks have had a breach so bad that they are encouraging customers who have their email security gateway appliances to discard and replace the devices due to backdoor malware activity actively exploiting the vulnerable machines. This is the kind of story I'd normally cover in detail, but I don't think I can do it any better than the excellent report done by Phone Boy on episode 88 of The Lotus Effect. Phone Boy is an honest-to-God security dude named Ben in his day job, and he really knows his stuff when it comes to computer security, and he nailed this story. He did a great job with it. If you want to listen to this story about Barracuda Networks, go to lotuseffect.show. And while you're scrubbing through the two-hour episode trying to find the 10-minute segment on the one story you care about, maybe drop them a voicemail to their voicemail line telling them that they need to add some podcasting 2.0 chapter markers to their episodes. Yes, so... We are fully aware of the fact that we need to do this, and we're going to do it. It was actually episode 87 that we talked about the Barracuda BS. Yes, it is. But uh, we just got we just got a live boostergram from C Brooklyn. We did, uh, and and he says, says hi Phoenix and Phone Boy. Yes, he, and he spelled it F E N I X. There you go. So I'm uh, okay with that. I don't care how you want to spell my name. If you are throwing money at our show, I'm that shameless whore that's going to let you pronounce my name any way you want, especially if you're smacking my ass and pulling my hair. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so um, you. You can also you can so yeah I mean you can sound off on any of this stuff you know that, that we we talked about here um, you know the in the past refire topics present refire topics and just just one thing though when 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 you do give us your feedback just one thing we don't want your shit please, please don't send us your shit. shit and and we actually we actually you know we we we, we say finally that. figured out what that means we we have come to realize we finally know what that means when we tell you not to send us your shit it means we'll take your feedback but you have to be respectful because you will be blocked if you're not respectful so basically two choices and they're real simple ones those of you who aren't that educated and can't figure it out by now, if you don't have anything nice to say, like your mom taught you, shut the fuck up because we're not putting up with racist comments about things that we post. If you're respectful, we're good with that. We don't care if you're criticizing us, okay? If you want to tell us our show sucks, you're more than welcome to say, I don't know, I don't like your show. It's too profane. I don't like what you say. I don't like what you do. I don't like your face. I don't care if you send that, but when you start putting racial comments in using the N word and things of that nature, you're definitely going to get blocked. I'm not going to report you because I'm not a baby back bitch, but I will block your ass and you can, you know, pretty much take a big step back. And fuck your own face, because we're not putting up with it. Fuck you! Well, but no, I actually, I, I actually do. I, I have, I'm sure I have this clip here because I, because I know I was, I was looking at clips earlier, and I'm going, there we go. Take a big step back, and literally fuck your own face. That's Shout out to right. Phone Boy and Fine Dicks from from Weirdo. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. God. But I'm serious, okay? I. I am extremely annoyed by people who think that it's okay to make comments that are insulting to any other, you know, don't sit there and make shitty comments about black people, white people, yellow people, brown people. I don't give a fuck what color, what race, what creed. Don't sit there and be hateful and use derogatory terms. That's my fucking job. And I won't put up with it. Because nobody should be doing it in all seriousness. We won't tolerate it. No, 
But, uh, you know, and this is, uh, I think, uh, but I think we will uh, be getting into the, uh, you know, I guess that we, we, we're, we're now getting into the regular part of the show here, which means that I have to play a clip. And some goes something like this. Don't want to sound like a dick or nothing, but uh, it says on your chart that you're fucked up. Uh, you talk like a fag, and your shit's all retarded. Yeah, now, okay, so now, the, I mean, the people are so hot over this fucking drug Ozempic. Oh my god, yes. yes. And, and wait till you hear this bullshit. Yes, so, can Ozempic treat addictions like alcohol, cigarettes, and shopping? Well, some Ozempic users report that the drug has helped them control addictive behaviors. Now, the drugs impact appetite and satiety, but some users say taking the medication has not only reduced their urge to eat, but curtailed their desire to smoke, gamble, and drink alcohol as well. Now, meanwhile, other users say Ozempic helped them bring habits like online shopping and nail biting under control. Okay. Um, in numerous testimonials shared on social media platforms, I wonder how many of them are fucking paid for, but that's just me. Users of the drug are saying the desire to partake in these activities was simply no longer there once they began taking the medication. Well, they probably also got paid a lot of money too. Um, I think it's because they didn't have the energy to do it because the drug just zapped the shit out of them with all those side effects. Yes. So some... How are you supposed to engage in activities like smoking, gambling, and eating too much when you're on the toilet shitting your brains out all the time? Oh, exactly. So now some researchers uh, uh, reason that Ozempic may help curb addiction by making behaviors like drinking alcohol or smoking less rewarding. You know, it, it could be an issue of, uh, you know... A real-life goatsy. Exactly. In particular, drugs like Ozempic may reduce pleasure-seeking activities due to the way they interact with dopamine, a neurotransmitter linked with pleasure and reward. Yeah, that might... Oh, I, I can see the tie-in now. Get your antidepressant meds with your freaking Ozempic. You know what's going to happen. Again, as we've said before, oh, you have this problem? Here, take a pill. Oh, that pill caused this problem? Take another pill. Oh, that's now caused the third problem? Here's another one. And then on and on and on we go. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and as as, uh, as Mama T points out in the chat, it sounds like Chantix. I know my dad took that, and it was, yeah, anyway, that's Wookie's a whole Wookiee's been on Chantix and said that, it, I mean, yes, it helped her quit smoking, but there were a lot of really bad emotional side effects that did go along with it. Yes. Now, Gareth Nye, PhD, senior lecturer of anatomy and physiology and program lead for B Med Sci Medical Science course at University of Cheshire, Chester, Chester, England, said that there are three theories surrounding Ozempic's reported effects on addiction tendencies. Now, this includes a taste, a change of taste and smell senses, which makes certain foods and drinks less appealing, a change in the reward oh, wait, triggers. Wait, wait, wait. A sense in smell and taste hmm what else does that sound like phone boy COVID anyone yeah exactly um Yes, a change in the reward triggers in the brain that occur when exposed to a particular habit or substance, and an increased avoidance of certain chemicals, such as the ones found in alcohol and cigarettes, for example. Now, um, now an animal study published in May 2023 found that drugs like semaglutide re uh, reduced alcohol drinking in rodents. However, as of yet, there are no studies confirming the same in humans. Nick, weigh in on that, bro. What are you rats doing drinking, man? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you. I think I think you got. I think you need to call him at nine one seven seven one nine five one two three or something. I think that's the number five nine two three. I think that's what the number is. Yeah, which is funny because shameless I plug for the sewer, baby. Yes. I'm impressed. Yeah. I, I know. I know. Bemra sells Nick a, the rat some love. He deserves it. 
That's right. Oh, and and then um, so we have uh, yeah. The, this is uh, now the, now experts are starting to warn of serious side effects. And of course, if you read any of these articles, they talk about it. But this one, this article, I, I pulled from specifically pulled up for the side effects. So Dr. Mira Shah, a, a Mayo Clinic endocrinologist, told CBS News that the most frequently observed side effect in patients is nausea, followed by abdominal pain, constipation, and diarrhea. While these side effects may improve over time, Shah noted that at least ten percent of patients initiating treatment with these drugs must discontinue use due to the lack of improvement in side effects. Now, the close connection between the stomach and brain means that an intestinal issues can trigger stress, anxiety, and depression, a phenomenon referred to as the gut-brain connection. Persistent nausea and abdominal pain could be unpleasant to users. Yeah, no shit, man. Um, other serious side effects associated with Ozempic include thyroid tumors, pancreatitis, vision changes, hypoglycemia, gallbladder problems, kidney failure, and cancer. Although not mentioned on Ozempic website, some doctors have reported cases where patients experienced malnutrition due to a significant reduction in appetite caused by the drug. Well, yeah, there's something going on there. Um, my, my, that's just, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what to say about that. It's just like, oh God. But now Amy Schumer claims that she stopped taking Ozempic because of severe side effects. Um, she, Which, you know, am I, am I alone in this? Who gives a fuck? I know. Well, again, this is all part of the marketing. So comedian Amy Schumer. Oh, I got it. Because her career's in the shitter. She's got to be a shill for somebody other than Ozempic? Question mark. I guess. Yes. So, yeah, she shared that she's trying to take. She's tr she tried taking Ozempic for weight loss last year, but stopped after she developed serious side effects that left her feeling weak and fatigued. No, I got it. They were paying that heifer to induce to uh endorse their product and then she realized like oh my god i can't get off the toilet well, yeah, exactly. way to go num nuts yeah well i was one of those people that felt so sick and couldn't play with my son i was so skinny and he's throwing a ball at me and i couldn't schumer said no if uh no i doubt she was that fucking skinny have you seen this chick yeah i know the pictures they show of her yeah i know exactly if the vomiting and diarrhea are bad enough it can result in dehydration and a possible possible hospital admission said jace jesse p uh Houghton, md facg the senior medical of gastronomic gastro jesus christ lmnop <laughs> buy a vowel dude yes gastroenterology at somc gastroenterology associates in portsmouth Ohio. Here we go. That's a that's a mouthful. It's Portsmouth. Portsmouth. Okay, fair enough. I'm... It said like Marvel. Portsmouth. Okay, fair enough. Sorry, my New Englander gets offended. Yes. No, but it's that's not a New England though. It's in Ohio. I mean, anyway, close enough, I guess. Pronunciation is what I meant, not yeah. location. Yeah, exactly. Eat so, a bag. Some the folks breaking the balls. Some folks, such as those who take insulin, may develop hypoglycemia, which can lead to dizziness, shaking, sweating, confusion, and weakness, said D David Cutler, MD, family medicine physician at Providence St. John's Health Center in Santa Monica, California. Now, Here's the thing that we knew that. I mean, this is kind of a common sense thing that if you're taking a drug that is meant to lower your blood sugar, lower your food cravings, et cetera, et cetera, that being, you know, what this drug is ending up doing. Yeah, it's not a surprise that, oh, gee, you could develop hypoglycemia. Really, Doc? Did you figure that out all by yourself or did you have a handhold? Yeah, no kidding. Um, 
Now, meanwhile, we've now we've got people being reported being shamed for taking Ozempic. They're not just for, you know, they were shamed for being overweight, and now they're being shamed for taking Ozempic. So, is, you know, and these medications have grown in popularity, of course, with all the fucking marketing that these assholes do through the media. Uh, yeah, the stigma around them has as 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 gone on as well. Now, people are reportedly being shamed for using these medications by some who mistakenly believe that chronic obesity can be treated solely with lifestyle changes and diet and exercise. Wait, oh, I'm, my God, I, I please need, do it. <clears throat> <clears throat> Bullshit. Yeah, mistakenly claim. Now I I saw that and I was biting down on my tongue when I read that the first time. I'm like, are you fucking nuts? Have you tried perchance not putting that ho ho in your mouth, you 600 pound sack of shit? Yes. It, Don't it, just go for the fucking drug then cry. Oh, well, being shame for being fat now. I'm being shame for trying to fix it because I'm not putting in the work. Yeah. Well, um, now. Let's see. So individuals with obesity can often internalize weight stigma and the idea that they should be able to just diet and exercise to lose weight. Jenna Himowitz, PhD, a licensed psychologist at the Stony Brook Medicine and director of bariatric and weight loss psychology. Many patients I see have received this message their whole lives from family, friends, peers, medical providers and the media. Oh, you mean like people who tried to tell them, hey, look, I got a great exercise for you to lose weight. Take both your hands, place them on the table and push backwards. Come on, folks. You didn't get to six, seven, eight plus hundred pounds overnight. You're not going to get rid of it overnight. There's a reason that you are chronically obese because you are not putting in the effort. I want to see people who are ginormous truly get your big fat ass up and try to exercise if you're able to stand. Hell, even if you have to have a walker, guess what? Lean on that fucker. Take a walk. I mean, there are so many of these stories out there that are just literally giving the green light for people to be lazy and take the easy way out of losing weight. And that just infuriates me. Yeah. Well, speaking of, uh, of, yeah, let's see. Yeah, so this is, let's see what else they say. The experts say there's several reasons, and the high-profile punchlines like those made at the Oscars certainly don't help. Now, ditto for, comment, ditto for comments about providers prescribing Ozempic to lose a couple of quick pounds like those made by Chelsea Handler earlier this year on the Call Her Daddy podcast. Now, at the heart of the matter is a myth that obesity is something that people could control only if they tried harder, ate better, and exercised more. Uh, it's not a myth. Yeah, but um, of course, of course, they're also what they're also being told is to eat better. Is that, they, they, keep in mind what the actual dietary gui- advice is going to be. It's like, yeah, and that's why they're saying, like, oh, you know, it, it's not as simple as just change your diet and exercise. Uh, yeah, I hate to break it to you, it is. Yeah, and we have proven that time and time again. Y- yes, there are thousands of people. Who have proven it when you take control of your life, when you stop consuming the sugar and the seed oils and the grains and you actually get up and start moving again. Phone boy did not start from day one being 300 plus pounds and start running, creating potholes everywhere he went. The first hundred pounds he lost, he never fucking walked a fucking step. He just changed his diet. He stopped eating like a trash panda. And then once he lost 100 pounds, he was like, well, 
look at this. I can walk and I can run. And run he did. And the rest of you can do it too. That's right. So, um, yeah, you don't have to do it the way I did it either. I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, run. Well, okay, fine. I mean, I, I, I don't. I don't claim running is, is a magic thing. It's it's not it's a uh, exercise is the fountain of youth. It keeps you young. You still got to eat right and ex, you know and all that stuff. And that's what you. Well, you that's know. what I'm saying. I'm not saying you have to like run if running's not your thing. Maybe walking. Maybe elliptical. Maybe just move, people. Ex- just move. Exactly. Now move, bitch. Get off the weight. Get off the weight, bitch. Get off the weight. Okay. Now, meanwhile, we, we've been we've been told for years that we need we should be taking low dose aspirin uh, to uh, to uh, uh, to uh, I don't know to to mitigate uh, the risk of a heart attack. Well, it turns out that uh, a low dose aspirin is linked to anemia and blood iron decline in older adults, and so um, the the use of a low dose aspirin led to a twenty percent increased incidence of anemia and a decrease in ferritin, the iron levels in the blood, in otherwise healthy older adults. Now. Why is this something doctors are not telling patients? I mean, let's just be honest. I know most older adults, especially like my ex, who's got, you know, a heart problem. They are touting aspirin a day, aspirin a day. Now we're finding out this shit could literally be leading to something else that's really nefarious. Now, first of all, let me find my shocked face because we all know that extended usage of aspirin is damaging i believe to your liver that's one of the reasons why tylenol is so dangerous and why it affects the liver is because the aspirin content in it actually given actually i will actually get to this actually given that your your ex's history of of, of heart attack it actually may not be a bad thing in his case that he's taking it and uh, like i said i will get to it it. we will discuss it now um and now aspirin may contribute to an increased anemia risk through occult blood loss result in anemia, the researchers wrote in the study, which was published in the an- Annals of Internal Medicine. To our knowledge, this is the first large-scale prevention trial to examine the effect of long-term low-dose aspirin use on anemia. Iron deficiency is a common reason for developing anemia in a condition where there's not enough hemoglobin in the red blood cells to carry oxygen effectively. Hemoglobin relies on iron to be produced properly, so when the body lacks sufficient iron intake or absorption, it can lead to iron deficiency anemia. Now, the symptoms of this condition can vary from mild to unnoticeable, but some signs include feeling tired, weak, having pale skin, uh, experiencing shortness of breath, and getting frequent headaches. Or you can All but the headache. Dude, you're dead. Yeah, exactly. Now, the data showed that the people who took low-dose aspirin had a 23.5% chance of developing anemia. They also had slightly lower levels of hemoglobin and experienced a greater decrease in ferritin concentrations as that's mentioned a in a news very, that That's a very high number yeah. for the amount. Okay. Oh my so, God. So now that led me that led me to the question of what is the NNT? The, 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 now let me... And I will, NNT for I, those of you who don't I, I'm know. I'm going to play. I have a clip. He said. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a clip. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to explain what the number needed to treat is here in a second with the clip that I played previously from David Diamond. And so in fact, you think about this called number needed to treat. So that 54% can translate to how many people need to be treated with Crestor to stop one person from having one heart attack. And that is 220 people need to be treated to stop one heart attack in one person. Incredibly weak effects. Imagine, Ivor, if we had a vaccine that week that affected, (laughs) that had a benefit. For only one person out of every 220 people. Or an antibiotic. Think about it. Imagine an antibiotic 
that was effective in only one out of 220 people. That's the way you should think about statins. Great stuff as always, David. And uh, I might just add to that little joke there, you know, imagine there was a vaccine with only one in 220. I'd say, well, imagine there was one with one in 20,000, maybe. That'd be interesting. Yeah, and we all know what vaccine that fine feller, uh, Dr. Yeah, Iver Cummings. Well, that's, he's not a, well, oh, he's sorry, not a I thought he was a doctor. No, he's not a doctor. Ah. Is it, is, yes, okay, that, so. that fine fellow Iver Cummings yeah, so anyway. had mentioned. We all know what vaccine he's uh, yeah, talking so about. I, anyway, I have a, so I, I looked up the, the uh, so I looked up the, the, the NNT numbers for aspirin. It's aspirin to prevent a first heart attack or stroke. The number is 1667. One in 1,667 people were helped. In other words, it prevented a cardiovascular One. event. One. Just one. Just now, one. Now, the question is, what damage is the is the aspirin causing? Well, uh, one, okay, so the, I, I love the, I gotta, okay, so I have to get the bell here for the magic number. So one in 3333, all right, were harmed uh, with, with a major bleeding event. So required hospital admission and, and transfusion. So it's. Holy shit. Yeah, that. I yeah, but that's, that's, that's definitely but that's, the but definition that's for, of major. But that's fairly, but that's fairly rare, though. So, but however, in in, in act, and on the NNT site, they they suggest that maybe this is not you know, the the safety profile of this. There's no, you're not gaining a whole lot of benefit from this uh, particular thing if you if you've already had a if you if you prevent it if you want to try to prevent a first heart attack. Now, yeah, if, prevention not so great, but yeah, but after, if you've done it before, yeah, if you, maybe not so bad. Yeah, exactly. So now the the NNT. When, to, to, when they say we're helped, right, a, a, a cardiovascular problem prevented uh, the taking low dose aspirin, uh, it's, it's now your NNT is 50, which is a lot lower. That's um, something that's extremely reasonable that one in 50 were helped. That's a whole lot better delta than one in 1667. Yeah, now, the har- now, the harms is one in 400. So there, you know, that's where we had a major bleeding event. So, you know, there at least, the, 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 you know, the, there, there's a potential, the, 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 the potential benefit is uh, is is you know at least better than it, you know better than uh, better than even uh, not quite better than even money but but at least it, the, there's a, there's a it's, there's a possibility there and then they and the risk of and it's not outweighed by the risk of harm in this case because it's uh, because yes it's one in four you know one in 400 but I but I think it's a uh, it, so yeah I mean that's it's, it's in that case it might help you but as for prevention no don't take the don't take yeah it. so the next time your doctor tells you that he wants to put you on a low dose aspirin because you're getting older and to try to prevent heart attacks you can tell him doc it takes 1667 people for me me out of 1667 people for that to prevent that heart attack i think you can take that aspirin and uh shove it up your aspirin yeah that's right so now the fda has approved new medication a new medication class for teens with type 2 diabetes the Food and Drug Administration has approved a new class of medication, according to trusted source, to treat type 2 diabetes in teens. The drugs, Jardians, now we've heard of this drug before, and uh, Sinjardi, I guess it's yeah, pronounced. Yes, yeah, you know, they, they've, run out, they've run out of names. As you, they truly have. Yeah. So these meds have been greenlit as additions to diet and exercise to help improve blood sugar control in children 10 years and older with type 2 diabetes. The active ingredients in these two medications works by increasing the exertion of glucose in, or excretion. excretion of glucose in urine. 
It should be noted that these drugs are recommended as supplements to diet and exercise to help improve blood sugar control. And as of 2017, it's estimated that 67 of every 100,000 children between 10 and 19 are living with type 2 diabetes. Yeah, I think that's fucking low, but I'm just saying. Yeah, exactly. Now, the most common side effects in children treated with this medication were generally similar to those in adults, including UTIs, female fungal infections, ew, children were found to have a higher risk of hypoglycemia. That doesn't really surprise me. Other side effects included diarrhea, nausea, upset stomach. We see that with most drugs. And they're not recommended for patients with type 1 diabetes. Now, the pro- one of the biggest problems that I have with this medication is the fact that you have a 10-year-old with a yeast infection. Explain that to your doctor. Like, seriously, this kid is not going to understand. All this kid is going to know, like, dude, my shit itches, mom. What's the deal? I mean, no. Yeah, how about no? Here's an idea. Wait, I have a radical thought. How about you stop feeding these fucking kids fake sugars and all these diabetic products that are on the market that claim to be for diabetic people, but yet the shit that they're containing... Yeah, still grains, still uh, fake sugar, still not something that's going to help your kiddo. How about you put them on running ingredient foods like broccoli and cauliflower and steak and shrimp and, oh, I don't know, things that aren't processed, things that don't have fake sugar, things that don't have grains, things that might actually help balance their blood sugar out naturally without pumping them full of pharma. Speaking of pharma, we, we, we now have uh, the first woman to receive a new vaccine for breast cancer. Now, this is so a human clinical trial is underway for a breast cancer vaccine and breast cancer survivor Jennifer Davis is the first person to receive it. Now, we believe that within five years, this vaccine will be available for people who are breast cancer survivors and worried about recurrences. And then two to four years after that, we believe it can be available for all women, including women who have never, ever had cancer. And potentially this vaccine could be an option for every woman in the world. So says the CEO of the uh, of the company that uh, that makes this uh, particular vaccine um gee there's a surprise yeah so the first human trial of the vaccine is focused on preventing recurrence in triple negative breast cancer survivors like jennifer davis who became the first person to receive the vaccine in 2021 now the the vaccine was in the works for more than 20 years before it reached the human trial phase which so here's an interesting question um I'd like to see what their excuse is going to be if her cancer does come back. God forbid. Uh, guess that's going to prove your vaccine doesn't work, Doc. Yeah, well, um, so Vincent Atoy, a, a, a researcher in the Department of Inflammation and Immunity at the Cleveland Clinic, invented the vaccine. Now, while he passed away in January 2023, his brown, groundbreaking research continues to carry on. And he identified a protein called... Um, Alpha lact lactal uh, lactalbumin, yeah, which is produced in pregnant and lactating people. It's often a precursor to cancer. Now, while ALA, which is what it's what what it says. Uh, what it's known as, is necessary to produce breast milk when a woman stops lactating, the body stops making the protein. Now, the discovery was that the key here is that later on in life, when women develop breast cancer, those cancer cells are making this protein again, even though she's not lactating. Now... Now, I, I just thought of something. That's kind of interesting. Like, what happens if I'm your wa- breasts, like, all of a sudden start leaking? I think that's pretty much a good precursor to the fact you need to go see your doctor because you might have breast cancer now. Well, no. What I was thinking was 
No, they're using the, the they're they're feeding the cancer, honey. Why why do you why do okay. why do why do women produce breast milk to feed a, a feed a you know the, the another human right? So if if you know if they're using it to you know again if you get if they have cancer so this is I think this is actually not a uh, you know the the vaccine may not actually uh, you know it may not actually solve the real problem because we know what the real problem is it's sugar guys you know it's, it's, well I I guess I was a little taken aback when they talked about how they were considering giving it to women who didn't even have cancer. I mean, this, uh, just thinking about if it was developed to prevent a reoccurrence, do you think it's going to translate to all-out prevention of it? No, I don't, I don't think it will. Of course, I'm, I'm very skeptical about all of this. Um, now, um, let's see. Tuhoi uh, uh, hypothesized that if a vaccine could train a woman's immune system to attack the cells making ALA, then when those cancer cells arise, the immune system would be ready to destroy the cells before they have a chance to reproduce and become a tumor. So far, 15 women who are survivors of TNBC uh, have taken the vaccine and all have shown an immune response. However, by, by the time the vaccine is approved for use, Kumar said thousands of women will need to be tested. Now, of course, you know, we also know that eating... This sounds a lot like a money grab to me. Yeah, much much like the... Uh, yeah, and, and, and stop eating sugar, y'all. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. Now, the, um, now, of course, now this is... Uh, okay, this article... We say that for everything, though. Yeah. Now, this article, if you don't have ADHD, Ritalin, and similar drugs, uh, they may hurt your concentration, right, if you don't have them. So uh, students and, other sometimes, uh, and others sometimes take certain drugs commonly prescribed for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, there, there's a reason. Also known as phone boy syndrome. That's right. To enhance their focus and cognitive performance, even without a diagnosis of ADHD. I, I don't know. I, f I find uh, the whole ear works really well for that. Uh, Slows things down effectively. But a new study suggests that in people without ADHD, these cognitive enhancers may actually inhibit performance and productivity. This contrasts with earlier research, which found that these smart drugs improve certain types of memory and attention. Now, in the study, published June 14th in the journal Science Advances, researchers tested the effects of three popular smart drugs, comparing them to an inactive placebo. Now, the study involved 40 healthy participants between 18 and 35 years old without a diagnosis of ADHD. Now, participants were randomly assigned to receive one of the drugs or a placebo bef uh, uh, before four separate experiments, which were done at least one week apart. The tests were designed to model the decision-making and problem-solving that people do during their daily lives. These were intended to be complex and relevant to real life, uh, than, um, or more complex and relevant to real life than tests used in earlier studies, said the researchers. Now, researchers found that after taking one of the drugs, people spent more time and effort solving the task, while also being less accurate and efficient, compared to when not taking the drugs. They also spent more effort, measured as either time spent or the number of moves, getting to that solution. Now, of course, another problem with taking these drugs in the absence of a clinical diagnosis is that they are meant to normalize levels of dopamine in people who have a deficit in this neurotransmitter. However, if a system is already normal or optimal, overloading the system by adding more dopamine does not necessarily help and may cause harm. No. Like I said, they're at least... Yeah, amazing to me. Marijuana doesn't overload the dopamine. So, hmm, let's see. Smoke a joint or take a pill. Oh, yeah, that's not a hard choice. How about you, how about you rub some cream on your, on your junk, you know? Yeah. Uh, Only if you have ED, baby, because there's a new product that's intended to treat it. Now, it's been approved for marketing by the FDA. The gel, which is marketed as 
as Erexon. I, I can't. What? I can't make these names up. Somebody has a great sense of humor. So it received a de Nova classification by the FDA and can now be marketed as an over-the-counter option, a first in the market. And the de Nova classification means that the FDA understands the product to be a new development, although it's already available in Belgium and the UK after its regulatory approval in April of 2021. Now, in data provided by the company, the trial aimed at garnering FDA approval, which saw 60% of the participants have an erection within 10 minutes. That study also found that very few participants had adverse side effects, with the most common one being a headache. Yeah. I think I'd have a headache, too, if I was married to something that couldn't get my dick up. I'm just saying. Yeah. So part of the problem when people are taking it on their skin, the absorption takes longer and it may not absorb all the way and their effects may not be as good. It's hard to control the dosage. God, the jokes write themselves in this article. There's a lot of different varieties that I think. <sighs> yeah. What's I can't read this. <laughs> Yeah, as why why are these meds under prescription anyway? That was the question that yeah. they ask at the end. I mean, seriously, yeah. That that is the question that I'm really wondering. Why is it hard to get a medication? I'm not for pharma, but why is it hard to get a medication so a guy can get a rock hard erection and satisfy his old lady? You know, the divorce rate would go down significantly if they would just put all these dick meds over the counter. Somebody ISO that. Yeah, somebody ISO that. Well, we should I, we should make sure. Actually, we should uh, uh, somebody ISO that. I don't know. I gotta. Uh, um, I don't know. Let's see if I can actually do this. Uh, I can't even type. This is this. Well, is while the you're attempting to type things, we're gonna talk about a story that cracked me up when I first saw it in our show script. So, poo transplant. Yep, you heard that right. Good old shit may benefit people with advanced liver disease. Yeah, <laughs> the relatively unconventional way of treatment involves patients consuming capsules containing, I can't do it with a straight face, freeze-dried feces from a healthy donor. Eat shit, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> they contain microorganisms needed for a healthy digestive system. I'm sorry, I'll drink some acidophilus milk. Keep your shit to yourself. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is. I've, and I've heard of this before, but basically, like, yeah. So you're gonna eat somebody. You're gonna eat somebody else's shit to make your shit uh, not so retarded. I guess is is the saying goes. I I just cannot even. This blows my mind. Now, okay, we understand that cirrhosis of the liver is a serious health condition that affects the normal functioning of the liver, and it can be caused by hepatitis or chronic alcoholism. We understand this. People living with liver cirrhosis have higher levels of bad bacteria in the gut compared to healthy individuals and are prone to infections that can be often hard to treat with antibiotics. Talk about a little hair of the dog. I'm just saying. Scientists believe poo transplants will be beneficial for cirrhosis patients as it helps to replace unhealthy bacteria in the gut with healthy ones. 
Yeah. Somehow I don't feel comfortable with the fact of that being the only option. The research team had earlier conducted a trial involving 32 people that showed fecal microbiota transplant, MFT, to be safe and feasible. The jokes are just writing themselves right now. The new cl- clinical trial involves 300 participants who will consume five capsules of freeze-dried poo over three months. The treatment will be followed for 21 months or until they develop a first infection that needs hospitalization. And according to Debbie Shawcross, the chief investigator in the trial, the fecal transplant capsules don't have the taste or smell of poo, but would offer new hope for patients with cirrhosis who are out of treatment options. Yeah, Just the mental thought that you are ingesting someone else's poop. And here's the thought, too. Where do you sign up to be the donor on that one? Like, can you can you see the ad in the newspaper? Shitheads needed. (laughs) Yeah. So, by the way, I was looking at that the name of that drug and I was thinking rocks on. E rocks on. Yeah, that actually makes sense. Although it would be better if it was E rocks off. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, okay. Yeah, tip your waitress. <laughs> yeah, her her bell fell over, y'all. Now. I beat my bell so bad it fell. Yeah, there you go. Well, now, I now I, now I don't care Hold how... Hold on, I need, I need to stop uh, phone boy for a second. Okay, oh, yes. Yeah, so, we so, have a clip to introduce this next story. Yes, if I can, uh, there we go. Bemrose needs more liquor. Yes. That's right. Heavy drinkers still can't hold their liquor. That's right. So there it, was. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, I'll let you. Sorry. In a study published June 18th in Alcohol, Clinical and Experimental Research, they tested the effects of alcohol consumption on young adults with different patterns of alcohol use, light to heavy social drinkers, and those with alcohol use disorder or AUD, previously known as alcoholism. Now, researchers found that heavy drinkers and those with AUD showed less overall impairment on fine motor and cognitive tasks after consuming the equivalent of four to five drinks compared to light drinkers. This amount of alcohol is sufficient to produce a blood alcohol content of 0.08 to 0.09, the lower limit in the U.S. for drunk driving. However... When people with AUD consume the equivalent of seven to eight drinks, which researchers say is more in line with their usual drinking habits and produces a blood alcohol of around 0.13, they showed impairment on both of those tasks. Duh. You increase the alcohol and then you're surprised that somebody who drinks every day like the Bemrose brothers who could probably walk a straight line if the state cop asked him to and probably has several times. Yeah, only had four beers. I'm still good to drive. I believe that coming out of the Bemrose brothers' mouths. However, somebody like me who had four drinks, yeah, I can't walk that line when I'm sober. You want me to do it when I'm drunk, officer? No. Yeah. Um, yes, and in fact, the impairment was more than double what they experienced after consuming the smaller intoxicating amount of alcohol. Three hours after drinking, their performance on these tasks still hadn't returned to their baseline level. Now, in fact, yeah, in, in, yeah, in, um, yeah, in addition, people with AUD had greater impairment after consuming the larger amount of alcohol than what light drinkers experienced after drinking the lesser amount. That sounds like no shit, Sherlock. That's a major no shit, Sherlock. Yes, 
And again, yeah, the impairment was more than double. You know, in, in, in the new study, researchers enrolled almost 400 young people, most in their 20s, with different drinking patterns. Were they all college students? Light drinkers cons- consumed six or fewer drinks per week with few dr- binge drinking episodes. Uh, heavy drinkers consumed at least 10 drinks per week with one, or f- f- one to five heavy drinking episodes during that time. Now, I have a quick question. Are they considering a week five days or seven? Inquiring minds want to know because it really does make it a big difference. Because if you're talking about 10 drinks over a seven-day period... I must be an alcoholic because I've done that on numerous occasions and not trying. Yeah. Like, how many of y'all, seriously, come home after a hard day at work, you know, you got a little scotch on the rocks, maybe some a Bloody Mary. This is not alcoholism, folks. Exactly. So, now... Um let, let's see. And then drinkers with AUD consume 28 or more drinks per week, 21 more for women, with at least uh, 11 heavy drinking episodes per month. They also had to meet two or more clinical criteria for AUD. Now, binge drinking means consuming five or more drinks within about two hours for men and four or more drinks for women. I can confirm I have binge drank, apparently. Yeah. Yes. Now, heavy drinkers and people with AUD both reported feeling less impaired than the light drinkers. The performance of heavy drinkers and people with AUD returned to baseline more quickly than that of light drinkers, suggesting that they may have greater alcohol tolerance. However... Again, no shit, Sherlock. However, people with AUD often drink more than four or five drinks in a session, so researchers asked a subset of the participants with AUD to repeat the task after consuming the equivalent of seven to eight drinks. Now, at this dose, they had more than double the impairment they experienced at the lower intoxicating dose their performance also did not return to baseline during the test and even even after three hours well yeah depending on how total all right first of all depends on what they were drinking let's just be honest okay a beer is not unless it's that high abv like you and i consume is not going to hit a heavy drinker the same way a shot of whiskey a mixed rum drink i mean it really depends what form of alcohol they were using to do this testing. I, I find it very wrong. Yes. Uh, and it's, it's just, the whole thing just seems really, it, it's like, the, it's like there's the, 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 I mean, even the, the end of this article, it says that I was surprised at how much impairment that group had to the larger dose, because while it's 50% more alcohol than the first dose, we were seeing more than double the impairment. It's like they don't know how fucking drunk people are. Like, it's like, seriously, like, this is not a shock or surprise to anybody who knows anything about people drinking. And I get the feeling that because of a study like this, we're going to see some reform in how they evaluate how drunk you are for DUI stops and things like that. Yeah, yeah no kidding. But I think... I'm 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 done with this story. I think we're gonna go to the. I think we're gonna go. We're, we're gonna, gonna get happy. We're gonna get happy. And if I can find the 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 the, the uh, where is it? It's right here. The key to life is a penis in your asshole. Now I love this first story <clears throat> that Phone Boy found. So we're gonna let him tell you about it. It, it will make you smile. Meet the 11-year-old boy who fell in love with agriculture during the pandemic and dreamed of becoming a farmer. Today, he rents his own plot of land where he cares for chickens and breeds sheep. Uh, Joe Trofer Cook's passion for farming was sparked when he planted seeds in a new raised bed that his grandfather built for his seventh birthday. 
A year later, after COVID hit, he began selling homegrown produce on a trolley outside the house and saved every penny to buy three chickens. Adding eggs to his produce market helped him earn enough to buy first four sheep that he adorably named rhubarb, strawberry, pumpkin, and radish. His mother, Claire Trofer, said that tending to his animals is a form of therapy for Joe, who was diagnosed with autism during the lockdowns. With the profit made from selling veg and sheep, Joe was able to rent a plot of land from a farm farmer in his English village of Billinghay, Lincolnshire. Over two years later, Joe now owns 37 sheep, 12 chickens, two cows, and a border collie named Spud. And, 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 a, and, a, and, a, and a great old Guernsey cow, I guess, too, right? Right. Uh, so, Joe was diagnosed... Well, it says he owns two cows. They may be jerseys. Yeah, well, that's true. Joe was diagnosed with autism in lockdown, and it's been the best form of therapy, his mother explained. He never asked to have friends over at school. All he wants to do is go straight to his animals. Now, Farmer Joe, as he's known, is the youngest exhibitor of livestock at the Lincolnshire Show in the 125 years it's been running, and the dapper youth has appeared on BBC television even. Hey, cool. Uh, every day, the young entrepreneur wakes up at 4 a.m. to feed his animals and recently has taken up spinning wool after someone donated a wheel so he could sell his wool. I'm so proud of everything he accomplished, uh, his mother exclaims. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a kid who knows what he wants and went after it and is, and is getting it. Good for him. I mean, seriously. Um, you know, that that's a, that's a great one. Now, this is this... Now, I, I, I kind of thought this was going to be a native ad for something, but it didn't, it didn't look like it when, I, when, we, when we went through the story. So the, a, um, a diver uh, cleaning the ocean floor finds a new iPhone still working in a waterproof bag and actually returns it to the owner. Maybe they should have employed this guy to find that submersible that was diving near the Titanic. It wouldn't have taken four fucking days. Yeah, exactly. We'll get into that story later. Now, during the routine dive to clean the oceans off the coast of Florida, Four Ocean CEO Alex Schultz found something that obviously still had value to someone. The brand new iPhone sealed in a plastic bag was in far better shape than most of the smartphones found by Schultz and his cleanup crews, being waterlogged and unable to turn on. Along with the bag, the phone was sporting a waterproof case, and Alex was able to charge the phone and get in touch with the person's emergency contact. Despite all odds, he was able to return the phone to its thankful owner while simultaneously triggering a viral TikTok sensation with over 3 million views on the video chronicling the discovery. Wow, that sounds like fun. Um, now, we were always stoked about the work we were doing and cleaning the ocean, uh, Alex Schultz, uh, CEO and co-founder of 4Ocean, told uh, the Good News Network. Now, with, But it's even better to make someone's day by returning what's important to them. Now, and we all know how important cell phones are. If you don't think you are extremely addicted to your cell phone, lose that fucking thing for about five to ten seconds. You're patting yourself down better than a cop does. You're spinning around like you're chasing your own tail like a fucking Labrador retriever going, where's my phone? I just have it. I swear to God. Even some of us have been on our phones talking to somebody going, hold on, I'm just getting ready to get out, rock out the door. I just got to find my phone. Don't tell me your phone's not the most important thing. So this guy made somebody very happy. Yes, exactly. Now, um... I don't know who was happy about this, but apparently a, a sealed vial uh, reveals the smell of ancient Rome with patchouli scents from the times of Jesus. Yeah, which I know is a, I know that's not a smell you like, but. Yeah, I'm not a fan of patchouli, but I'm not going to hate on that. And actually reading this article is very insightful. Yeah. So a real whiff of ancient Rome from 2000 years ago was unleashed as a sealed vial of Roman perfume and has been opened and a whiff of patchouli oil wafted through the air once again. 
Uh, the stopper was made of dolomite, a type of carbon, and a tight seal with uh, bitumen uh, enabled the contents of the tiny glass container to be extraordinarily well preserved. I would love to know, did they have a photo by any chance of how large this container was? I think so. I think is, it's is a, it like a little perfume bottle type I think, size? I think so. I think it's in the... Sh- you, you, can, you can go click Okay, on I'll, the- I'll have to look in the show notes. I just... I found that really interesting that they literally, I mean, ancient people really had it right when it came to how to construct things. This yeah. this dolomite stopper and the bitumen seal, like, out of bounds. How many years since these people lived? And this stuff smells as fresh as if you just opened it yesterday. Amazing. Yes. Now, the vial was discovered with the ointment intact at a funerary urn in the Roman city of Carmo, today's Carmonia, near Seville in Spain. The truly extraordinary aspect of the find was that 20 centuries later, it was still perfectly sealed and that the solid residues of the perfume had been preserved inside, which made it possible for researchers to test every component of the find. Now, beyond identifying the airtight bitumen and seal in the the cylinder stopper made of dolomite, two components of the perfume were identified. Now, the base or binder, which allowed for the preservation of the aromas and the essence itself, was a vegetable oil or possibly olive oil, according to some indications reflected in the analysis. Now, the results of the chemical analysis also showed that the essence itself was patchouli, an essential oil obtained from a plant of Indian origin that is used in modern perfumery. Yes, patchouli is actually used in a lot of perfumes. And when I've researched some of the essential oils that I've looked into, that has been, especially when I researched the sandalwood, that was something that I noted that patchouli is a very widely used oil. So it doesn't surprise me with where they located this artifact and the fact that that region would have probably been abundant with patchouli at the time. So that was really an interesting find that they made. That that just makes me smile. I, I dig old artifacts. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was kind of cool too. But uh, meanwhile, I think now we're going to get into this is this is this is how we learn to be like the cat, right? We learn to not have any fucks to give. That's right. The proper number of. So pay close attention if you're too stressed out. Here is how you need to be more like cashmere. That's right. So this is this the the, the title of the article we're pulling this from is Eleven Cents Steps to Stop Caring So Much About Everything. First, so step one is to realize you you have a problem, right? This is the, it's almost it's almost like the twelve step thing. Yeah. So real yeah step back and evaluate. Evaluate what is happening. Is there a dilemma? Well, identify what it is. I examine the problem uh, the, the attachment is causing. Is it, is it because of toxicity? Is it health issues? Is it mental difficulties? Relationship disputes? Now, certain, certain connections complicate things because we feel that we have a social and moral responsibility to be forever chained to people, toxic or not. There are some types of relationship that may become your ball and chain. Intimate, financial, career, familial, friends. Discovering your attachment is only the first part. Yeah, and I. That's right. Because when you realize the reason for your attachment, (coughs) sorry, when you realize the reason for your attachment, perceiving and understanding that reason of why you have the attachment in the first place will teach you about yourself. You will discern why you suffered the attachment and how to begin and hold fast to the process of detaching. (coughs) And that is really important. For anyone who has ever had to do that in their life. Yes. And this is, yeah. And then, you know, and then of course it comes, you know, okay, what, what, how do we detach? Well, um, 
We cry, grieve, shout if you need to in private, but don't stay there long. Don't don't suppress your feelings. Let them out. I think that's the important thing is to feel your feelings and acknowledge that they exist. And we've talked a lot about that since you and I got together as one of the ways that we have our own self-therapy is when something comes up, we address it. We don't shy away from it. That's part also of the fact that we have no secrets with each other. Even like as an example yesterday, uh, which we'll talk about in Toast and Jam, I had a really long ride and I decided to stop at Fazoli's on my way back to Nashville because I was West and get some plain pasta because I wanted to put it with my chicken, uh, my salsa chicken that I had made. Now, I do understand pasta is not allowed in what we eat. It is a grain. It probably has sugar. I didn't fucking care. I wanted this. And Vinny says, if you know, don't eat around what you really want. So I decided I would take the L on that one. And I got some plain pasta, which, you know, I'll, I'll talk about later. But I didn't, I didn't keep it from phone boy. Like, I wasn't proud of the fact that I had done it, but I also didn't hide it from him. He never would have known that I had done it. Because I easily would have thrown the packaging away when I got home or before I got home when I fueled my vehicle. And he would have never known. But that, to me, is being dishonest with him as my partner. So, yeah, when we run into things, we, you know, we address them and then we move on because that's how you grow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and you, and you might... Um you might have to commute if you have to deal with a person don't argue with them if you can yeah and this is a um you know don't participate in more toxic interactions it kind of sounds like how you deal with a freaking narcissist i guess um, well we all know that the best way to deal with a narcissist is not to deal with them at all you just don't play that yeah. game yeah but, but yeah when you get upset because you're not gonna be perfect in your relationship but don't be mean you know don't yell don't use mean names don't say things to hurt each other it's it's just not that's being toxic truly yeah but i think yeah and all that stuff just yeah begin a new lifestyle of gratitude and i think this and i think that's important in all of this um and certainly you don't know. allow yourself to hold on to guilt and shame you know it, yeah, it's just not good for you. Yeah, well, yeah, just remember that guilt and shame have two sources, others and yourself, right? And we often understand that other people cause our guilt and shame, but we usually don't uh, pick up on the fact that we can put these negative energies into ourselves. So there's there's only a slight difference between who pulls out the guns, but the lasting effect is you know the same, more or less. And right? that's kind of like what I've told my kids in the past is you can't unfire the bullet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, I'm not speaking literally. I'm not advocating for them to shoot people. But in life, you know, once you say something, you can't take it back. Once you do something, you can't take it back. Yeah. Um, but you know, don't argue with people about your choice. You don't have to justify yourself from, from you know, to, to anybody. Um, you know, remove yourself from the situation and just let them go. Um, you know, just, yeah, the, the more you, if you react, it makes it, it makes it worse. So just, just. And we learned that firsthand in our dysfunctional relationships that we had is that by continuing to engage, all you're doing is create keeping that cycle going and creating your own problem. Yeah. Um, don't let, don't let other people dictate your decision to detach. And that's because that does happen sometimes, especially when you're dealing with family uh, indications here. Um, now reclaim your peace of mind. So this is, and this is you know, living in the present moment, meditating, living in kindness and joy, doing something to help others and you know, take care of yourself too. Stop trying to control what you can't control. Utilize music therapy and animal therapy. Attend, you know, I mean, I don't know if you want to, 
to do group therapy, but if that helps you, great. Uh, get out into nature and just listen and try to keep everything in perspective and be grateful for everything and learn to, to stop retracing your tracks. And we all the time talk about stop looking backwards. You cannot change the past. The only thing you can affect is your here and now, your present. And if you want your future to be better, then you have to be present in your present and fix what you want to fix for your future. Yes. And learn learn how to say no. And this is what you and I have had many discussions. I have had so much problem with that particular one because I have that undying guilt that will not go away. If I have to tell somebody no, whether it's talking to them, spending time with them, money, sometimes I just can't. And I have to remember that I am the most important person in my life and I have to put my oxygen mask on first before I can help anyone else. So if I'm not doing what I need to do to handle my shit, I can't help anyone else handle theirs that's right um you know and i think you, you know i think this is this is the uh, definitely thing you know allow others a chance to experience life now preventing others uh uh, to experience the consequences of the choice, uh, you know, the, the choices they made doesn't mean you're indifferent. It means you care because you want them to to get the, to learn the lesson from it. Exactly. My God, I wish my children would understand that fact. Yeah, well, it is. But it's just, yes, because this is the only way you're going to learn is to experience it. Uh, to the the consequences of it because that's yeah and and and, and I, I Vinny was actually talking about this the other day he said look you know the pe- really really successful people don't talk about their successes they talk about the hundreds of times they failed to get there it's it's much there's, it's a lot more it's a lot more fun and uh, interesting but yes yeah, how many times can you can you fail before you succeed it, and that's kind of what we talk about about leaning into mistakes and such exactly now um you know, know that you do have a big heart. Now, people with sensitive carrying over or achieving hearts need love too, perhaps more so. Don't wait for others to come running to give you a world-class massage and pour you a marvelous glass of wine. You must learn to love yourself and take care, charge of your self-care. You have a big heart and you deserve it. That's right. I have no issues pouring myself a big old glass of wine. I don't need somebody else to do it for me. I mean, I like it when you do it for me because it means you're joining me because an open bottle is an empty bottle, which I will tell you during our toast and jam today, we will be drinking that bottle of wine that's taking up all that space in the refrigerator. I'm just saying. Okay. I think, I think yeah, we need, we do need to drink that. Yeah. That, we're talking about the sangria, right? Yeah, that's. Okay, there we go. Yes, yes, we are talking about the sangria I bought the other day just on a whim. Yeah. I would like to try it today. And I think it's an appropriate day. It's lovely weather outside. We are having a great time podcasting. Okay, well, I guess you're going to have, yeah, you're going to have to go. F- f- I mean, is, is yes, it I will Fido fetch it and the glasses. Okay, awesome. All right. So now we also, t- you know, taking care of yourself. Yes, you want to make sure you do that on a regular basis. There are three types of self-care, uh, physical, mental, and spiritual. Even though they are separate and distinct features of the sentient creatures we are in this world, they must all be maintained to accomplish whole person care. I learned that the hard way as I was trying to, to get my, uh, my, my physical health sorted out. My mental health sort of came along for the ride, and same with my spiritual health. All of these things all sort of came along, and I, and because I realized they're all encompassed to, in one gorgeous body. Well, there is that now. Um, now meditate daily. I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there's and then which you know, and, and there's something to be said for that. Being able to take a moment and and and, and just and just be, uh, it's it's amazing. Uh, the, the green goodness really helps with that too. By the way, now and then of course keep keep practicing. So does some. Cambodian mushrooms. Oh my. Okay. So, 
Yes, and just and just, just and keep saying. and just keep practicing. That's all because it's gonna it gets it gets easier. And I'm finding this myself as I'm starting to, as I have certain emotions that come over me at certain times. I recognize them for what they are, and then they dissipate. You know, and then sometimes they, you know, they, they, they come at random times. And so, yes, and, and the, the more I do that, the easier it actually gets. So, all right. Now, I think we are ready for, uh, for a little cavalcade of stupidity. Hi, ho, pedal heads, and welcome to the Rev Cyber Truckers Cavalcade of Stupidity. I doesn't mean to play that just yet. Okay, I had to actually talk about the track I'm going to play first. Yes. It would be a good idea. Yes, it would be. Okay. It really would. Yeah. So anyway, okay. So I'm gonna. So you've you've all probably seen Howie Mandel. Now Howie Mandel. Now, now of course I know Rev's busy. So we we were. I, he's I, been I, moving and he's got that uh, he, hillbilly wedding today that yeah, he's, he's got, officiating. So he's a busy man. I mean, we did notice he was kind enough to pop in the chat earlier. So thank you for your courage, Rev. And now uh, we got it this week. No worries. Yeah, we got it. So anyway, you've 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 probably seen. So you've probably seen Howie Mandel. He's just he was. He's, he's a stand-up comedian, and and in fact, uh, I remember seeing him as a kid on a on a on a game show called Make Me Laugh. And then the, the premise of this game show is to uh, you you were a contestant and you were sitting there and you and you the the, the comedians you got to you got to sit through three comedians each had sixty seconds to try and well make you laugh. And if you laughed, you 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 lost basically, right? So, uh, but Howie Mandel was one of these comedians. Okay. Yes, and 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 I think it was actually a great uh, little, uh, you know, there was he, but uh, he was also, you know, doing stand up in the eighties and 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 recorded it. He did that movie Little Monsters with Fred Savage. Yeah, he's a. Uh, you probably see him. The most recent thing I think he's done is he was the host of Who Wants to Be a Mil- Not Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Uh, um, no, not at well. Yeah, there's America. He was on America's Got Talent, but no, I'm talking about the game show Deal or No Deal. There we go. I'm actually. I I, that's what I was thinking of. So now, however, he did this. Song. Now he all, now. By the way, he has a connection to Vinnie Tortorich because he was because because uh, they're actually friends now. And Vinnie Vinnie would be, you know was was his Hollywood trainer at one point. So uh, that so there's there's a, there's there's one of the reasons I picked this song. But I also picked this song because it's a appropriately terrible. It is demented. Um, but we're gonna play a little bit of a uh, we're gonna play a little bit of it now. We'll do the full version of it in the. Uh, in the uh, you know during the the studio 33 later this evening Like I said, we'll pl- the, the, now the video for that song 
which I never had seen before when I was pulling when I was trying to find this song on on, on, on YouTube. Uh, yeah, I, I I saw the video for this. I'm going, oh my god, it is a, it is it is a bizarre video. That's all I can say. Um, but uh, and and I can also say that there's wine being poured behind me, and I will get into something uh, to to a topic that I well I I sort of did. We we so um, we um, so before the before rideshare radio yesterday, I had uh, I I was I was trying to get everything all set up, and I and I. I decided that okay, I know there was a security vulnerability. And by the way, we'll talk about the the, the, the specific security vulnerability that uh, that resulted in me updating my iPad. I real I I thought I gave myself enough time to update my iPad prior to the to the to the start of Rideshare Radio. I did not actually get. I was not very late. I think I was only like a minute or two late, which is actually like normal. But you know, had I only listened to GOB, right? Maybe I wouldn't have done that. How many shows have we seen that came out like 20 minutes started 20 minutes late because the podcast is like, oh, I'll just run an update right before the show. Yeah, no, no problem. Bad podcaster. Get the spray bottle. Yeah, that is a money clip from G.O.B. with Sir Bemrose and Darren O. Yes. So um, so are we going to cheers this uh, this uh, this wine here? This this sound. Yeah, you have to let me get sat back down in my post. Yes, you do. Jeez, you're so impatient, phone boy. Yeah, because I'm thirsty. Yeah, well, that's why we have water, not wine. I ain't Jesus over here. I ain't turning water into wine. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn wine into water, but it's gonna take a. a Oh my god, that's so obscene. About as obscene as this lift story. Oh my god. So you guys know that I do rideshare. So when I came across this story, I was super offended when I read it because fuck Lyft. I mean, I know that they are the main breadwinner right now in my life as far as that's who I'm running with, but shame the fuck on them. So a Twitter user with the handle at Caitlin Sky 24 shares her lift experience on Saturday, June 17th, 2023 in Washington, DC, which made her fear for her safety. Here's how she described the ride on Twitter where she feared she was being kidnapped or something. My driver missed numerous turns prolonging my ride in the midst of DC traffic. He almost hit a car and slams on his brakes, stopping about a foot from the, from the car in front of him. I'm very annoyed at this point and say, are you okay today? His driving as a whole was very shaky and distracted. We continue driving and I noticed he navigates off the lift platform to input an address into his own GPS. I noticed and pulled up my requested destination into my GPS and watched as he took me in the opposite direction. I was notified via text by Lyft that I was not heading toward my destination with a link in case I needed help. I called out to my driver numerous times that he was taking me the wrong way. He ignored me. My turn is left, not right. Sir, you're going the wrong way. Hello, sir. I finally said, hello, can you hear me? Screaming at this point. In response, he laughed and said, sorry, I don't speak English. He did, in fact, speak English and had been the entire car ride. At that point, I'm panicking and decided to unlock the door to try and jump out as he was turning a corner at a lower speed. He began braking and I jumped out of the car and started running in the opposite direction to where I was supposed to be headed. 
I walked the rest of the way as I didn't want to get back in another car with a stranger. Following this incident, the passenger wrote a complaint to Lyft detailing what had happened. Now, I can tell you, as a side note, okay, as a driver, if my trip time is increasing, like, oh, I don't know, because Lyft's not smart enough to realize fucking Nashville traffic, they will send me a message on the app saying, your trip time is increasing. Are you okay? Do you need help? So my opinion, I'm sorry, but my opinion on this, when she received that message, hit the fucking, yes, you bet your ass I need help button. That's what the fuck it's there for. But anyway, when she submitted the complaint, she, would she was told she'd receive a phone call within five minutes, but that didn't happen. Instead, the next morning, she woke up to an email from Lyft stating that her account had been deactivated. Here's what the email stated. This email is to notify you that your account has been deactivated due to alleged safety violations on the Lyft platform. What? Specifically, I know. Specifically, we received a report that you that alleged you jumped out of the car while the vehicle was in motion. We will be unable to service your needs as a rider on the Lyft platform any further. The decision is final. She responded to the email by reiterating her point and explained that she feared she was being kidnapped. The response? I would like to extend a sincere apology for any inconvenience this situation might have caused. The decision to deactivate your account has been reviewed and will remain final. We appreciate your understanding and cooperation in this matter. Oh, yeah, that's the point at which I'd have fucking gone nuclear. But anyway, finally, after the post went viral, she received a competent response from Lyft, apologizing for the situation, recognizing the gravity of what happened and reinstating her account per the email. I am so truly sorry to hear about the driver's behavior. Safety is our top priority. So to hear anything like this is something we take very seriously. This sort of behavior by a driver is completely unacceptable and is something we absolutely do not tolerate in the Lyft community. Please know that the concerns you've brought to our attention have been investigated and I have personally followed up with this driver to take the appropriate and necessary actions. <coughs> Bullshit. Fuck. You would be my response to Lyft. Oh my fucking God. This girl is in fear for her life, so she jumps out of this guy's car and Lyft's response is, oh, we're going to deactivate your account. Oh, I think we're going to do a little more than that, motherfuckers. I think we're talking a lawsuit at this point. Yeah, pretty sure Lyft should have to face the music for that shit because she's got it in print, baby doll. Yeah, the actual fuck. Yeah, that's my opinion. You're muted, tip shit. Yes, yeah, the okay. actual fuck. I agree. Yeah, the actual fuck. All right, so now, um, I'm we we have to talk about this digitize your dick, which was actually the provisional show title for last week, I believe. Um, so why is this in the in the toast and jam segment? Well, because again, we were listening to GOB. Fantastic, grumpy old Ben's love that. Great way to start my day. That and angry tech news. But anyway. So we're listening to it, and they are touching upon a story, which this is not anything new necessarily. We have seen this before, where there are people trying to extort money, saying, oh, we have your nudes, send us this much, or we're going to, you know, expose them to everybody, or send them to your mom, or some fucking stupid-ass scam. So here's the interesting thing. Bless his heart, my oldest son calls me and phone boy one day, 
and he's losing his ever-loving mind. Mom, 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 I don't know what to do. This guy says he's got pictures of my dick. I'm like, whoop, stop right there. How does some guy have pictures of your dick? Well, I sent him to my wife. How many times have I told you not to digitize your dick? Is the response that I gave him. But we helped him work through the fact that it was probably bullshit. Tell the guy to suck your dick. If he's got pictures, he knows how big it is. So, look, and now mind you, I don't know what size my son's penis is. I don't want that misconstrued. I'm just saying. That is why the whole digitize your dick became not only a show title, but also when I heard Sir Bemrose and Darren O talking about it on GOB, I was like, oh my God, I have to tell this story because it literally happened to someone that I knew. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And alongside which, talking about my oldest son. So I convinced him because he does door dashing. And I said, dude, why are you pissing around over there in small potatoville? Won't you come to the to the big old tater fields in Nashville? Why don't you come run dash in Nashville? Believe me, there's plenty of market out here. You will make mad bank. So he decided that, yep. He was going to come out with me and run around Nashville for a day just to see how the profits were. And I said, look, bro, I said, no cost to you. I'll fill your tank with fuel. That way you're not out any money initially if you don't make what I'm telling you you're going to make here in the city. So I was uneasy the night before. And I said to phone boy, I said, will you do a tarot draw for me? I'm not going to tell you what the question is. I just want you to do a draw. So he did a draw. He did the number of cards I asked him to do. And at the end of it, after his interpretation, I finally told him what the question was. And holy actual fuck, y'all, the accuracy of this draw. Now, I'm going to have phone boy tell you what this draw was that he did, what it came out to be, and then I'll tell you the relevance. Okay, so I was I you think I would have actually been prepared to do this. So I need to bring up I actually need to bring up the the the, the picture that I took of the of this um of this fine draw that I did. And this is and for whatever reason it is not there we go. This is I believe this is the draw. So we're going to bring this up. Okay. Uh so <clears throat> so and again, so the cards are telling a story and I and I said, "Okay, well there's a collaborate so so I first drew the 6 of uh, uh, 6 of wands and this is a this is a card that refers to collaboration." I said, "Okay, yeah, that seems to make sense." Okay, and then and then the next the next card that came up was the 3 of cups and the 3 of cups uh you know usually talks about um you know a relate you know, like a family relation of such and and I, and it seemed like that this would be um you know it, it seemed to be indicative of the the and I knew she was uh, that she was planning to do this, uh, or that she she was uh, she was talking to the to her to her oldest about about uh, about coming out to Nashville, and so I so I figured that was what it was about, and and so you know, then we asked the, the, the then the next card I turned up was the 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 King of Pentacles, and the King of Pentacles, um, you know, is uh, sort of a you know you know what you've got right now, but you're looking to expand, right? You're, you've got to, you've got to, you know you're, so you're trying to you're trying to uh, you know improve your lot in life as it were now. Um, the next card that came up was, uh, the reverse fool. And, and so, and I was and, and, and so the fool is a big, is, is the beginning in the, in the major arcana is it, it's a, it is, it is, uh, it, it does not have a number on it as the, but as the zeroth card is the fool that is making the journey. Uh, so, um, the fact that the fool was upside down sort of led me to believe that, yeah, this, this is a new beginning, but it's going to have a false start of some sort. 
uh, most most likely. And then now, one, and then we get to the six, then we get to the six of pentacles and the nine of pentacles, and and so. He that uh, th- that the end result was that yes, this was going to be a stable situation, and and you'll and and you'll go, uh, you know, and and it will it will beget more uh, more of the same activity. So that was how I had without knowing exactly what it was. That was the the the, the conclusion I had come to. Now, uh, now then, of course, we then uh, conclude with why this is relevant. If you if you don't mind. Absolutely. Because, yes, my son and I had set up a specific time to meet in the morning to head to Nashville together and chit chat on the way while I was waiting for a ride to come in, of course, which did happen. So I ended up splitting off from him before he ended up splitting off because he ended up getting a DoorDash before I got a passenger I think, but irrelevant to the fact about halfway through the day, he's already telling me, mom, you were right. Holy shit. You know, amazing. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, false start. Here we come because his brakes started grinding. Apparently they had been doing so, but they were really doing so at that point. So it was uh, time for rotors and pads and I'm heading home because yeah, I don't want him breaking around the city, possibly losing his brakes or ruining that rotor any worse and having it where it's absolutely no brakes at all. So I said, your ass needs to go home. You live to dash another day, bro. And he finally got him done through a lot of teeth grinding and uh, cussing and such because there were parts that didn't want to break loose, parts that broke, et cetera, et cetera. So yes, we definitely experienced that false start, but he's going to be right back on it Monday morning probably Monday morning. I know now that he's got the car fixed. Um, he'll be right back on it Monday morning with me early and squirrely getting out there and winning them dollars. Yeah. And it's just, it was kind of amazing that, and because we both looked at each other, like it could not have been more on the spot. It was eerie. How accurate Tara was about that. I was completely blown away. And then of course I love the fact that yesterday I wake up and I'm lazily looking at the app because I can look at what reserved rides are available and how much they're worth when they pick up, blah, blah, blah. So I look at Nashville. Y'all, this fucking, oh, this ride, it was gorgeous. It paid $150 for me to go from the airport in Nashville out to, and this was amazing to me. Okay. He said he was going to a place called Halls, just like the cough drop, Halls. Now, I know Halls. Halls is out in East Tennessee. Kind of, you know, a little suburb in Knoxville, right? Yeah, no. Apparently, Tennessee has two places called Halls. The second one is about 80 miles short of Memphis. So, basically, around Jackson. No issue. Brought him all the way out there. He was an amazing individual from Argentina. He's a crop duster pilot. And he was telling me about some places that he's done what they call ferrying his plane, you know, from like Paris to London or vice versa and places like that. And I'm just mesmerized. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, these are places that I absolutely dream of going, which I know Phone Boy will probably make happen or how I might make it happen myself when I'm working for a company. That might be something I end up doing is I'm the one who's got to do the exotic travel for work. But irrelevant to the fact it was an amazing ride and then i decided like i said i stopped to you know get some fazoli's pasta 
uh, which was a fucking okay so get this y'all so i go in and i actually decided because i had to use the bathroom that i would actually go to the counter instead of using the drive-thru and i'm kind of glad i did because this girl, all I wanted was some plain pasta, no sauce, nothing. Now I noticed that their spaghetti is like eight ninety nine, like spaghetti with sauce. And then I noticed the fettuccine is like nine forty nine. This heifer wing, rings up my fucking shit as a fettuccine with a sub because I wanted penne. And I'm like, you overcharged me. And she was like, I don't know what I was doing. I'm like, apparently not your fucking job. I didn't say it. I was just simply thinking it. And then the manager, like, gets involved because they have to because it's a refund situation. And she looks at it and she totals the shit up and then bitch wants me to give her money. I'm like, no, you don't understand how this works. I've already fucking paid. You owe me. And she was like, oh, so you want a refund? No, bitch. Keep my money for the fact you're fucking ignorant. Yeah, let that happen. I'm like, yes, I want my money. It was over a dollar difference. Like, I was so pissed. But then I thought about, okay. Take into account where you are and what you're dealing with. These people don't give a fuck. They're there to collect a paycheck. That's it. So um, I let it go. I didn't fuss. I had a couple rides that I ended up picking up and dropping off. So, you know, that helped bankroll. But then I was looking at the fact I was like four hours from home and it was getting later in the day. I'm like, guess I'm going to head back to Nashville because I really don't want to be four hours away from home when it comes time for me to come home if I'm going to make the money I need to make. And I thought taking the 840 around the city, I'd be safe. Nope. About halfway around the 840, I got a fucking ride, which I'm not complaining. The thing like literally paid 25 bucks. The kid was great, except for, wait, y'all. I talked about this last night on Rideshare Radio. So if you weren't tuned in, you missed my fit about this. This dude, (laughs) this dude. We were talking. Lovely kid. We're talking about places and battles and things like that. This guy thought Hawaii was off the coast of Florida. What? I'm telling you, what are they teaching kids in schools nowadays that you don't know where the fuck Hawaii is? Ah. Yeah. Made my head hurt. Because he was talking about the Caribbean and and Hawaii. And I'm like, "Uh, dude. Um, the Caribbean is off of Florida. Hawaii is more Asian Pacific. It's on the Pacific Ocean. Yes. Oh, my God. Y'all, I can't. I try so hard to be patient with people. What are we teaching them in school? Obviously, as Sir Bemrose had said, we're not teaching them geography. We're not teaching them history. We're not teaching them any fucking thing. You know what we're teaching them to do? Be completely mindless cookie cutter slaves that the government can control through vaccines that I heard they're trying to mandate having, I think it was Washington State, wanted a mandate where kids had to get this horrible doesn't fucking work vaccine in order to be able to go to school. That's the point at which I'm like, uh, homeschool. Here I come. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like, uh, your opinion, man. It may be my opinion, but I still have the right to voice it. Ergo the, what is it, First Amendment, I think? That's right. It is the First Amendment. All right. So, I think uh, we are ready to, uh, do we have any, do you have any other uh, things from Rideshare that you wanted to cover? No, honestly... I only worked three days this week. I was hella lazy, and I didn't really have a whole lot of memorable rides. I was glad to be able to stay the majority of the time outside of the city itself. I kind of hit the suburbs a lot. Although I did have 
one guy, and I talked about it on Ride Share Radio last night, that was a the Ohio State fan. And we had a great conversation about guns, um, gun control. He was telling me about him and his son had gone to purchase weapons from the same store, same day. They went in together. And because they were family, they made them, because apparently Ohio has a, uh, like a seven-day cooling-off period, which I'm totally in favor of. I think a cooling-off period is fair. If you're literally just someone like me who just wants to own a weapon because they like it or whatever, I'm fine with having to wait a week to get my weapon so that you can make sure I'm not going to go shoot up a fucking school, shoot up a Walmart, do something stupid. I'm fully in favor of that. But the thing was, because they were family, they took an extra like three days. So instead of seven days, it was a full 10 days for them to get the weapon, which I found to be just kind of stupid. I understand their reasoning, but at the same time i'm like gag yeah okay so i think it's time to answer i think we need to answer this burning question uh do you pee in the shower we have this this is the refire topic for for today and uh so we're gonna this we're gonna play the 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 people that called the 253-237-3321 we're gonna play the voicemails that you that you beautiful people have left us that's right so there is still time to weigh in 253-237-3321 i know phone boy just said it i said it again tell us do you pee in the shower don't be shy we won't tell except for everybody exactly so here you go Hello, I'm just catching up on Sunday's show, and uh, at like 105.07, Phoenix asked the question about how a 13-year-old could give themselves permission for anything. And my answer to you, my lovely lady, my foul-mouthed princess of the profane, is the Affordable Care Act. Folded in there, along with death panels, is medical autonomy to those persons 12 years of age and older. If it's covered on your parents' insurance, you don't need their permission. So says Obama. Okay, I'm going to go finish the episode. Bye. Oh, thanks, Obama. What the fuck were you thinking? Yeah, no shit. Maybe we ought to cut your daughter's tits off, bro. There's a great fucking idea. Letting a 12-year-old decide their bodily autonomy. Yeah, where do we sign up for that? Oh, wait, we already did by electing that fucking idiot. It's obscene. That's the point. Hey, there's a reason I'm known as the Princess of Profane. We yeah. tried to warn you in the opening. Yeah, and we even improved the opening, too, which, you know. Yeah, let us know what you think of that opening, y'all. We thought it was pretty fresh. Yeah, we, we, decided, you know, we decided it needed a, a, fresh, a fresh coat of paint, so to speak. Especially, we also got some beautiful fucking gems from... That's something we didn't talk about during the... During the, the That's right. Yeah. We didn't talk about the, the new opening because we, we got a... We, we've been talking about making some small changes to it. Um, We're for, always changing and, and reinventing ourselves, yes. sort of. That's yes. the way you continue to grow. But we got this great clip from from Ryan Bemrose that I've got that I've got to say like uh you, you know I'd like this one I got a whole folder full of dick pics okay as soon as I heard him drop that when I was listening to the GOB episode, I immediately knew that needed to go in after Lorian's send your dick pics clip. It just was made. The universe opened up and said, "Ha! Ah, here is a gift." Yes, and there it is. That's right. Because you know, as much of a gift as uh, I'm sure Dame Bemrose is used to when uh, yeah. Ryan says, I just had an orgasm. Well, it, well, or also, you know, somebody get this guy another blunt. 
That's right. I forgot he sent you a few clips of money worthiness. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, we also we pulled a few other clips. I well, think there, that we'll, we'll... there was also the clip that's at the very end of the opening now. I'm glad you heard all that. Yeah, that, that came from Sir Bamrose as well. No, 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 it didn't. Oh, wait, no, didn't. No, no, oh, sorry, that was a Billy, Billy Bones, Bones clip. That, that was... <gasps> I miscredited. Yes, that was a Billy Bones. Yes, sir. we Another go. wonderful piece of value for value returned. Thank you for okay, the Okay, so now we're going to play the next voicemail, which I, which, uh, I believe we will know uh, who this uh, gentleman is here. I, 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 well, I mean, urinating in the shower. Let's just say I just got home from work, and I'm peeing right now in the shower. So, you know, whatever, man. It's all pipes. What? You know, like George Cassandra said, it's all pipes. So, you know, what's the big deal? Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously it's like a public shower or something like that where there's other people around. That's weird, you know, or or whatnot. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, it all goes to the same pipe, so what's the big deal? Uh, yeah. I mean, you get out of the... It's kind of weird, I think, when, like, what people get out of the ocean or get out of the river or something like that and, and go pee. I mean, like, it's just super diluted and, you know, like, what am I going to do? Hold it while I'm in the shower or taking a bath. Well, taking a bath. That's a different story, I guess. So, you know, bath versus lake, big difference. Uh, pool versus bath, though, you know. Um, yeah, so the answer is absolutely yes. So, uh, yeah. All right, well, it's uh, Friday, but you'll be hearing this on a Saturday. So, all right, Phoenix, fun boy. Uh, you guys have a lovely day. I'm sure you are. And uh, love you guys. Stay dangerous. And uh, whether or not you uh, just peed in the shower or, you know, you're going to go pee in the shower or you just think it's absolutely disgusting and, yeah, that's fine. I don't care. Go ahead and give it a big old caca! I can't go for another minute. That's what she said. That's what he said. Caca! Caca, Mr. Christopher Battles! You know what? Yeah, I admit it. I pee in the shower. Fuck y'all. Okay? Sometimes you're in a hurry, like especially first thing in the morning. You're trying to get your shower out of the way. That way you can get your day started. Maybe you snooze buttoned a little too long. Nobody else is in there. And you, if you're like us, you bleach your fucking shower. And especially if I've done that, you know I'm going to clean the bathtub. But yeah, come on. Anybody who says they've never peed in the shower, I challenge, fight me. Yes, you have. You yes. know you have. Yeah. It's, it's, okay, I get, I get the fact not brushing your teeth in the shower. That's just me. I'm a fucking weirdo, which was last week's topic. But come on, we've all had that sudden attack of, good God, I've got to pee. Some of you nasty fuckers even poop in the shower and waffle stomp that shit down the drain. You should be ashamed of yourselves. I'll get a, I'll get a wet ass and then put it on a toilet seat if I've got to drop and have a think. But nah, peeing in the shower, I'm not ashamed. Yes, I do. You, sir, phone boy, weigh in. Um, have you peed in the shower, sir? Yes, I have. All right, then. I, I, there is no shame, goddammit. You probably even beat your meat in the shower, you sick bastard. I can neither confirm nor deny these <laughs> allegations. I can say I've never masturbated in the shower. I don't understand how people do that. All right. Well, I'm just I, saying. I, 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 I mean, we still have uh, we still have uh, voicemails here, so we need to play. And we got another one. We got another one here. Buenos dias, beaches. Uh, it's Emily. 
Uh, question refire is, do you brush your teeth in the shower? And my answer is unabashedly yes. And I question anyone who doesn't. Like, are you unable to multitask? Your problem-solving skills? Like, it's there's some days where you just, that's all the time that you have. Um, and when I'm done brushing, it goes in the highest position. Or if I feel like I can do it without dripping, I will make the reach to put it back in this cup at the sink because I have a tiny closet bathroom. But I have a bathroom in my bedroom, so it's I'm still a grown-up. Uh, I'm going to finish this joint and go move some dirt around my yard and wait for showtime. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Hempress Emily. I hope you enjoyed that blunt smoke weed every day, my sister. And you know what? Thank you for supporting the fact of brushing your teeth in the fucking shower. Because you're right. Sometimes you're in a hurry. You're trying to multitask that shit out because you got places to be and things to do. I know for me, I mean, I'm just going to like say this. Phone boy's awesome because sometimes we shower together. Sometimes we do it separately. It's just what we do. But if we're doing it separately, if he's in first, I'm going to be brushing my teeth while he's in. It just speeds it up. So when I'm done with my shower, we can go back to our room. We can probably smoke ourselves to sleep, snuggle, cuddle, whatever. Okay. Maybe watch a little supermarket sweep or a movie or whatever. Yeah. Multitask for the fucking win. Thank you so much for that, Empress Emily. Yes, um, and thank you to this next caller. I think we've got we've got one more caller, so uh, we're gonna. We're gonna Don't play forget, it. you can still get in on this party, baby. Two five three two three seven three three two one. Do you pee in the shower? The Lotus Effect with Phoenix and Phone Boy. What's up, y'all? It's weirdo. So I guess the question for this week is still: uh, Do you pee in the shower? Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm a dude. I pee in the shower, straight down the drain if I can help it. But, like, you know, why the fuck not, right? Uh, so, anyway, now, that's not interesting, right? But, dude, I had this friend <laughs> that uh, we would always talk about, like, conspiracies and shit and, you know, uh, how we could – run the world with no electricity and have like a fully mechanical house and shit like that. And like, we, you know, it's fun to theorize and whatever, but like, he's also the first person I ever knew that went on a full carnivore diet. And, um, he was into all these like off the wall health shit, like, like, like the ads that you see on the side of Infowars and shit. Like he'd buy every one of them hook, line and sinkers. So anyway, uh, he, (laughs) he would, uh, they, like he would he would he would piss in his hands and use it like body wash in the shower and he swore by it and I'm here to tell you what? he had really soft skin for being a guy that worked out fine doing manual labor and like but but so do I and I don't piss on myself <laughs> oh shit yeah he uh he literally would he told me he'd pee in his hands, and, you know, it kind of hurts to try to hold back the flow, so he'd go as quick as he could, you know, and kind of catch as much as he could, and, and, and that was his body wash. He would he would lather himself up. I mean, I'm not sure it lathered, but he would, <sighs> bro, what the fuck? I told her, bro, that's some off-the-wall-ass shit. I said, you done lost your fucking mind with this one. But, I mean, uh, there's people that think that urine is healthy. 
you know, it's like, is it necessary for me to drink my own urine? No, it's but it's sterile, and I like the taste. I just, I'm not, I'm not with you on that. I, I just, I don't feel like it's necessary um, to 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 use your pee as a as a body wash. Anyway, uh, I look forward to the show tonight, and I, I, I can't wait for uh, Studio 33 about to be lit AF, my guy. So uh, anyway, hope everybody's happy and healthy. Have a good one. Bye. Weirdo. Great fucking dodgeball fucking reference, dude. And thank you for validating the fact you pee in the fucking shower. Because, come on, we all know you fucking people do it. Guys especially. You know, you got them hoses. But using it as body wash? Yeah. Bridge too far, folks. Uh, I'm good to spend the $8 uh, oh, oh, a bar okay. on the soap we Okay, use. so potential show titles. Uh, problem-solving schools. Okay. Uh, hell shit. Hell shit. Yeah. <laughs> B-A-F, my guy. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, and, oh my God. And we, and, and we got, I think you're going to like who uh, called next here because I, I, I see. Okay. Uh, but I want to address something else. Okay, okay. Um, the, the whole drinking your urine cause it's sterile. I have heard of that in survival situations. I just don't think that I know, like, unless it's literally the, I don't even know if I could do it in a matter of life or death where I was going to die if I didn't do it. I'm just not sure that I could mentally bring myself to do that it's just uh no okay well there's 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 something going on in the chat i need to i need to address by playing there's something i have to play uh that briefly here i agree with bushy by the way some beers are see that bear lapping up that good old country water sure makes a big hairy guy like me thirsty that's when I wrap my lips around a tall, sweaty, edible bottle of good old country bear whiz beer. As my daddy said, son, it's in the water. That's why it's yellow. <laughs> bear whiz beer. Bear whiz beer, liquid product of Andrew Bearwood's Brewery, Animal, Missouri. Bear whiz beer. That's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, the fact that I could pull that up. Yeah, anyway. Uh, this I'm, fucking show again. Not only is it off the rails, I don't remember it ever being on them. Okay. One well, more time, folks. 253-237-3321. Tell us if you pee in the shower, because we want to know about it. Yes, we do. Hi, this is Dame Benrose. Guess what? I have people who want to say hi. And if you don't want to listen to them, you can go ahead and suck my left toe. Hold tight. Let me hold the phone up. Thank you. Please wait. Through you. <laughs> and that would be the consistency of our group. And also, apparently, we are eating carbohydrates, and we are drinking lovely fairy juice. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Dasadanya sayonara. I come by. Thank you. Don't turn my phone off. Thank you, Dame Pembrose. That was Great. I have a feeling she's at that meetup with yes, Sir Bemrose. She is at that meetup with Sir Bemrose and Bully Steed and all those awesome NA producers out there in Washington. So thank you for courage, everybody. Yes, I, I And I'm, thanks for listening to the shit show, or at least calling in and contributing to the value. Yes, it is. And so uh we we did we did very I think we did very well on time here. So Yeah, oh, we always do. Yeah, well we've got we got a lot more coming here, so it's time to uh yeah, I think it's time to go uh here. I'll take a drink, and I, my name's Smoke Little Reef. You know, I, I like to smoke. 
Rayford, you know, I'd relax as many of I think. A couple of doobies, you know, just to get you through the day and everything. But I do not freebase cocaine. Yeah, we That's do not. right. We do not freebase cocaine. Now, this this blew me away. Uh, but however, story. if you got mushrooms, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk. <laughs> as weirdo knows. But anyway. Yes. So, the United Airlines staff at SFO, which is San Francisco uh, International Airport, charged with stealing marijuana. Now, the Justice Department has charged two, two United Airlines employees with conspiracy to distribute a controlled substance. This wasn't a one-off thing, but rather this was a scheme that went on for quite some time, and they're believed to have stolen hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of marijuana. Now, according to prosecutors, this dates back to at least 2020. Now, two men were the leaders in this scheme and enlisted the help of at least three airport workers to steal cannabis from checked bags. What? Yeah. And uh, and uh, these people would be paid $2,000 per shift for their help, adding up to $10,000 per week or sometimes even more if they have found especially large quantities. Who is paying them is what I want to know. Yeah. The cannabis would be loaded into 15 to 20 gallon trash bags and would then be put in personal vehicles at the end of shifts. Now, on June 8th, 2021, two men were robbed at gunpoint in the employee parking lot as SFO near their vehicles. They were reported or they reported this robbery to law enforcement, but conveniently left out the fact that they had a huge amount of marijuana. What? Um, now, when the Police investigated and reviewed security footage. It showed the employees moving black trash bags out of the secure area, which aroused suspicion. Now, accomplices of the two men were confirmed in October of 2022 when they were carrying vacuum-sealed bags of marijuana that weighed a total of 30 pounds. You have got to be kidding me. 30 pounds of Chiba, baby. Wow. And you just got to love how they decided to report to the police that they were robbed in the parking lot while carrying large amounts of marijuana. I mean, you might as well turn yourself in at that yeah, point. Yeah, truth. I, you know what? At that point, that's just one of those, man, uh, you know, shame on me things. You, you don't call the 12 when you done fucked up something that big because ultimately that's how you know you fucked up yeah they created their own problem yeah no kidding um but uh you know of course well you know marijuana is legal in california but uh you know of course obviously yeah and it's not like they can test like oh this is illegal compared to this is the shit you bought the dispensary i mean they might be able to but on the on the surface nah that doesn't really feel like something and that amount you're not exactly going to be like, no, officer, I bought that garbage bag on a special that the flower pot had, man. Yeah, exactly. Now, yeah, there, and of course, yeah, so we, you definitely can't, yeah, you definitely can't travel between states. So federally, it's still illegal, of course, to have it. So now there's, this is one of those things like gay marriage that I think they should just federally make legal across the boards and cut the shit. Yes. Now there are some key details. The story is missing a few things, and it, conf and it certainly confuses me. Now, are, are there that many people checking bags with huge quantities of marijuana in them? I mean, the volume would need to be there for the scheme to make sense, given the people were reportedly being paid $2,000 per day to participate. And it's not like marijuana is as expensive as cocaine on a per gram basis. Uh, so how did the baggage handlers figure out which bags had marijuana? Did they have reason to believe certain bags had marijuana, or did they basically just go through every bag? And how can baggage handlers let just walk out of the secure area and to their car with big trash bags without anyone batting an eyelid. I mean, yeah, especially because of the fact they have janitorial services that are pretty much the only people who should be carrying those bags 
And if your security people are doing their fucking job and they see employees with big ass bags walking out to their cars, there should definitely be some suspicion. Jesus fucking Christ, you go through my bag and find a set of nail clippers and I'm pinned up against the fucking wall. This jerk off's walking out with fucking 50 gallon bags full of fucking Chiba and you don't bat an eye. What the fuck is wrong with you, TSA? Exactly. So, um, meanwhile, I think we, we now that we I, this just came across uh, the, the, our, our, our wires just this morning as I was looking through stories. Uh, That's right, pedal heads. I want you to know I'm here to tell you we are literally doing research up until the minute that we hit these mics. So this could be stories that have been found throughout the week or they could, like phone boy said, have just hit the wire this morning and we scoop it up and run with it. Yeah, exactly. That's how we do things. So so the Food and Drug Administration has released first-of-its-kind draft guidance on the unique considerations that researchers should take into account when studying psychedelics, which the agency says shows initial promise as potential therapies. Oh, my God. Do you actually think we could get federally legal psilocybin? Wouldn't that be a kick in the balls? Yeah. So two days after bipartisan congressional lawmakers filed a bill to direct the issue of such guidance, FDA published a 14-page draft document that appears to be responsive, providing scientists with a framework to carry out research that could lead to the development of psychedelic medicines. Why am I not surprised Big Farmers got their dick in this? Now, a notice about the move is said to be published in the Federal Register on Monday. Now, at that point, a 60-day public comment period will open for interested parties to submit feedback on how final, final guidance should be shaped. Um, now, the uh, now the psychedelic drugs show initial promise as potential treatments for mood, anxiety, and substance use disorders. Exactly, because if you're tripping balls, you're not thinking about raiding the fridge. Your mood, as long as you're having a good trip, is going to be way up there because your dopamine levels are going to be off the fucking charts. You're going to feel like a million dollars. You know, it's just amazing. They say this shit like it's supposed to be some kind of big secret that we trippers and and hippy dippy people who enjoy the substances don't already know yes now by publishing this draft guidance the, the fda hopes to outline the challenges inherent in designing psychedelic drug development programs and provide information on how to address these challenges uh, uh let's see what uh, tiffany farcioni uh, director of the division of psychiatry in the fda's center for drug evaluation and research research uh, now, the goal is to help researchers design studies that will yield er, interpretable results that will be capable of supporting future drug applications. As long as they don't use a whole lot of biased BS in their studies, I'm for it. Yeah, but they're just, you know, of course, they're also trying to make it something they can manufacture as opposed to grow. I don't know, because that seems to be better for them. Now, the now the FDA's Federal Register filing notes that a public docket will be made available for people to submit comments on the draft guidance. And the move is timely as lawmakers and health officials have shown serious interest in quickly expanding research into psychedelics as studies have revealed their potential treatment of conditions such as severe depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, and addiction. Yeah, it, they're finally paying attention to what we people in the stoner community have been saying for so long that it's not just 
a substance that you get involved with on a weekend to feel good or whatever. This shit has medical purpose. It's not just nefarious. Come out of the Stone Age, folks. Yeah, and in fact, there is um, there is a, a report that uh, M- that, a, that a white supremacist said MDMA drove him away from extremist beliefs. You want to talk about you know the power of this stuff? So a newly this one's a little virtue signaling. I'll warn y'all. Yeah, a, a newly released book explores one potential breakthrough usage of MDMA. In I Feel Love, MDMA and the Quest for Connection in a Fractured World, the journalist Rachel Neuer um, uh, digs deep into the case of a prominent white supremacist who says he was dispelled of his bigoted beliefs after participating in an MDMA study. Okay, so this dude had a good trip and realized that hating black people is a bad fucking thing? Really? That's the best you got out of it? First of all, you shouldn't have had to have an MDA or MDMA trip to figure out that being fucking racist is a fucking problem. Stop hating people. It's pretty simple. Don't care what color or creed they are. Just be nice to people. I agree. And uh, so the white supremacist identified by newer only as Brendan had taken part in a double blind trial in early 2020 conducted at Harriet DeWitt, a professor of psychiatry psychiatry and behavioral science at the University of Chicago. In an excerpt from Neuer's book that was published last week by the BBC, DeWitt recounted her astonishment when she and her research assistant, Mike Bremer, read Brennan's responses to their questionnaire. Now, strangely, at the very bottom of the form, Brendan had written in bold letters, This experience has helped me sort out a debilitating personal issue. Google my name. I know what I need to do, Newer wrote. Seeing this cryptic message, both Bremer and DeWitt were worried. We really had to look into this, DeWitt said. They Googled Brendan's name and popped up a disturbing revelation. Until just a couple months before, Brendan had been the leader of the U.S. Midwest faction of Identity uh, Europa, a notorious white nationalist group rebranded in 2019 as the American Identity Movement. Uh, Two months earlier, activists in Chicago anti-fascist action had had, had lost... uh, um, They identified him and he lost his job. Yes, Uh, so... Yeah, it's it's yeah. Now, Newer wrote that DeWitt was very worried, but after she dispatched her assistant to speak with Brendan, he discovered that a murderous spree turned out to be the opposite of what Brendan had in mind. He told a stunned research assistant that love is the most important thing and nothing matters without love. This is stuff you can't really put into words, but it was so profound, Brendan said. I conceived of my relationship with other people as distinct boundaries with distinct entities, but more as we are all one. I realized I'd been fixated on stuff that doesn't really matter and is just so messed up and that I'd been totally missing the point. I hadn't been soaking up the joy that life has to offer. So this good, this guy had a really good fucking MDMA trip and, and, and had a come to Jesus moment is ultimately what happened. Yeah. You know, that's sometimes is what happens when you have those experiences, right? It's part of That's true. I mean, as long as you're in a good, and you know, please, anyone in the chat can weigh in on this, but if you're in a good environment, and you consume mind-altering substances, you're going to have amazing thoughts. It's going to expand your mind. You're going to be creative. This is the way to live. 
like truly. Yes. Yeah. And the fact that medical science is finally harnessing that and realizing that people who could benefit this, people who have depression, people who have anxiety, people who are just generally having trouble getting through their day to day, you know, pop a capsule of psilocybin, everything's beautiful. That is truly the world we need to live in, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. Now, it's also nice to see that the NFL, the National Football League, or the No Fun uh, No Fun League, uh, is putting more money into research on CBD as an opioid alternative for players with concussions. Uh, we all know opioids are one of the largest epidemics our country is yeah. facing. Yeah. So if there is actually a way that we can switch that to CBD or even, let's be honest, get rid of the fucking marijuana provisions in the NFL if that hasn't already been done. Believe me, this is not a performance enhancing substance. No. I I'm telling you, even the sativa, you're not going to run 50 yards for the fucking TD on a fucking weed high. I hate to break it to you. You're going to be on the sideline Levy, going. I think, I think yeah, Le Doritos. I think, I, I, think, I think Le'Veon Bell would dis would would disagree with you. We covered him earlier. Well, okay, yes. We covered the story on Le'Veon Bell. But the thing is this. I, other than me. Okay. So if you look at it from the viewpoint that it offers mental clarity and focus, then yeah, maybe marijuana could be considered a performance enhancing drug. But on the other side of that coin, yeah, it's not making you run faster. No, no. It's not making you jump further. It's not making you more aware of the ball. That's what I meant by that statement. Yeah. I wasn't saying that because it improves your focus and your clarity so that, yes, maybe you can find the route that's going to make it where you are running faster because you're not being impacted by the defenders. Or maybe you are more hyper-focused where you see everybody's heads turning, you know the ball's coming, so you can turn around and make that great catch to get in the end zone. Okay. I get that. Okay, so let us let me get into the story. The National Football League and its players union announced on thursday that they are jointly awarding another round of funding to support independent research on the therapeutic benefits of cbd as a pain treatment alternative to opioid opioids for players with concussions now they so basically it's an alternative headache medicine yes brilliant yeah a total of five hundred twenty six thousand five hundred twenty five dollars is being granted to to, for two studies, including one that will be held by the American Society of Pain and Neuroscience. It's going to be led by them. Yes. To explore cannabin, uh, cannabidol and non-invasive vaginal nerve stimulation as alternative treatments for post-concussion headache pain. Now, this randomized study, a first-of-its-kind um, research... Phone boy? Yes. It's non-vagal, dude. Non-invasive vagal non nerve. Vagal. Not vaginal. I would be hard-pressed to see any NFL players out there with VJs. I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> God. Rah, rah, kicker in the cunt. Like, no, that's not happening on the sidelines for any NFL team anytime soon. I think vaginal... Gender-affirming or not. I think vaginal nerve needs to be... <laughs> I think vaginal. This nerve. is why you're not allowed to partake of substances during our show because you can't fucking read. <laughs> 
Well, I would have had trouble doing that, I think, even if I were sober. So yeah, I that's true. I, I will be honest. That is a very difficult combination of words. Non-invasive vagal nerve, nerve stimulation. stimulation. That go. is a mouthful. Yes. The randomized study, the first of its kind research, will compare NVNS and cannabidol in contact sport athletes experiencing PTH to understand standard care of treatment. The ASPN said in its description of the study, the pilot data gathered in this study will guide future investigations into treatment of patients with post-traumatic headache. Yeah, I was going to say, it would be nice if we knew what PTH is, but now we know it's post-traumatic headache. I was going to say, my God, they're throwing a lot of acronyms at you, aren't they? Yes, they are. The NFL and the NFL Players Association have spent the last few years promoting research into the benefits and risks of cannabinoids like CBD. Last year, the league authorized $1 million in grants for a pair of studies looking into the efficacy of marijuana and, and its components in managing football players' pain and providing neuroprotection from concussions. I think there's something to that. I'd like to see how those studies turn out. Yes. Now, outside of the research context, NFL's drug testing policy changed demonstrably in 2020 as a part of a collective bargaining agreement. Demonstrably. De de demonstrably. Meaning a lot. Yes. Now, in tw so it stipulates that players will not face the possibility of being suspended from games over positive tests for any drug, not just marijuana. <laughs> yes. Mama. Yes. Okay. Somebody, yes, somebody had her mute button over here. She's laughing her fucking head off. Uh, yes, because Mama T just, just completely. She just burned your ass from the floor up. <laughs> That is only the type of burn that can come properly from a parent. That's right. This podcast brought to you by Campbell's Alphabet Soup. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Kudos, Mom. Beautiful. Absolutely. That uh, is the right. comment of the day. Yes. Anyway. Okay. So uh, apparently Marisota, Mar Mar Minnesota. I, you know what? You get a mute button. <laughs> All right. So here's the thing. So Minnesota... Residents can possess up to two pounds of weed. Check this out, you guys. On May 30th, Governor Tim Walz signed Minnesota's adult use cannabis bill into law, officially making Minnesota the 23rd state in the nation to legalize recreational cannabis. Yay! Way to go. So weeks ago, Minnesota legalized cannabis for adult use and at the same time set the home limit at 32 ounces or two pounds. Again, really good. Okay, good what? on it. Out of the 23 states that have legalized cannabis for adult use, the limit for personal amounts at home ranges from 1 to 10 ounces, with the exception of one state, Minnesota, where the personal limit for cannabis is 32 ounces or 2 pounds. But given the state's four-plant limit for growing at home, some people say even 2 pounds is not enough. Why would 2 pounds not be enough? Well, we're going to tell you. Minnesota's law allows adults to have up to two pounds of cannabis at home. No grower's license needed, but once they leave home, they'll only be allowed to carry two ounces outside into public. To me, even if you're going to a party, everybody's matching up. You don't need more than two zips if, if you're leaving the house. It's just my personal opinion. So the vast majority of adult use states that or I'm sorry, the vast majority of adult use states that of states that allow home cultivation don't have any explicit limit, says normal political director Megan Fox. At 
And most of them explicitly say that you can keep whatever you grow in your own home. There are four states, aside from Minnesota, that actually have set limits. Massachusetts has a 10-ounce limit. Michigan has a 10-ounce limit. Oregon has an 8-ounce limit. And New York, I love this, is 5 pounds. Let that sink in, folks. 5 pounds. I think that might be a typo because they're bitching about 2 pounds in Minnesota, but New York is giving you 5 pounds. I don't find that to be a problem if that's accurate. But anyway... So if you're going to put a limit on it, I think it's a good idea to have it towards the higher end of the spectrum and, you know, as high as high. God, I can't even talk. Let's try that again. I think it's a good idea to have it towards the higher end of the spectrum as you know what? This article is fucked. Basically, make it as high as you possibly can. That way people aren't going to get criminalized for the shit that they grew for their own use as medicine or recreation. And they're not going to be trying to sell it, although they could, let's just say, gifting it, selling it. Yeah, but I doubt that's what it's all about. More than likely, it's for their own use. And Fumboy and I were actually talking about this behind the mic when we were digging into the story. Because, I mean, we get ours, we, we don't fuck with getting zips. We, we go to the poundage, okay, when we be buying ours. And we were talking about the fact, two fucking pounds, dude. That would last us at least half a year or better easily. Why are you bitching? So we, we looked a little deeper into it and realized that, and it was said that with proper cultivation techniques, you can harvest well over six pounds of material from four plants. Now this came from Sean Weber, the president of the Minnesota Hemp Growers Cooperative. So on what planet does it make any sense to limit what you're allowed to have? Doesn't matter whether it's ounces or pounds, okay? The legalization allows adults in Minnesota to grow up to eight cannabis plants at home, including four mature flowering plants. So again, I don't like limits. I have to agree. But at the same point in time, you motherfuckers have it better than we have it here in Tennessee. We can't have any. We get caught with even a fucking popcorn nugget. It's bracelets or it's at least a citation. So stop whining. Oh, we only get two pounds. Bitch, I'll take half that legally. Let us have at least a pound. I would be happy. You know, something. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. I mean, it never does. But uh, OK, but I think uh, I think if, if we if we extracted all the goodness from this story. I believe we have. Okay, well then let's let's see what we can extract from. I've been slow cooking it all day in my vagina. All right. So, uh, what has what has uh, been cooked this week? Well, we decided that leftovers are the way to go on a Saturday because I like being part of Studio Thirty Three. So earlier in the week, I had salsa chicken prepared. Super simple recipe, y'all. You know you hear me talking about Anna Vicino's spices. So I take some chicken boobies, boneless ones. Although you could use bone in if it's all you have. You can pick the bones out later. Not hating. So you put the boobs in. You season them with the taco seasoning. You dump a jar of salsa of your choice in it. I added some cut-up onions because I like big, beefy onions in what I do. And then you season it with some salt and pepper and you let it go 
Now, you can put, if, if you're not doing an SNG like we do, you can put black beans, you can put uh, corn, really good additions to, to the salsa chicken. But for us, it's just chicken, salsa, and spices, and you put it in the crock pot for 10 hours, a nice slow cook, then about an hour before it's ready, unless you do it really early and then you just want to let it sit on its warm setting, but I advise it while it's cooking, you throw between a half and a whole bar, <laughs> foam boy fucked up, he, uh, he put a whole bar of cream cheese in, I only asked for half, but it's okay, it turned out really good. But you put you cube up cream cheese and throw it in there. That way it's all nice and melty. Now the chicken, because you're slow cooking it for so long, is going to break apart super easy. So it's going to be nice and stringy. You can put it over, like we do, riced cauliflower. You can put it over mashed potatoes. You can put it over pasta. You can eat it just plain out of the bowl. It is delicious. Yes, it is. It is throw a little sour cream in after you serve it. Mm, it's beautiful. All right. But you know what's not beautiful? This fucking Karen we're going to tell you about. Are you ready for this shit? Go for it, phone boy. All right. An entitled woman declared that a seat in the first class was hers. She claimed she was more important than another passenger who shared his experience from the flight uh, from Atlanta to Houston. Now, the viral story was posted in Reddit's Entitled People thread, though it could be featured in the Petty Revenge subreddit. Now, the Reddit user gave background info saying he was airline ca- he was an airline captain who traveled from Atlanta to Houston for work. Um, he, expl- he explained you could get a jump seat in the cockpit, but on the suspicious day, that was already taken. Pass riding wasn't an option because there were no seats in coach and only one in first. Pass riders can be bumped for fare-paying pa- fare passengers. Humorously, the poster presented the story by saying that apart from him... The main characters were EUM, EW, or Entitled Woman, FA, or Flight Attendant, and CPT, or Captain of the Flight. A woman declared that the man was in her seat. He asked, may I see your boarding pass? The woman refused, and he added, you'll need to resolve this with the flight crew. I am a passenger. The woman called the flight attendant, yelling, throw him off, dear. I've been upgraded to first class, and that is now my seat. The... the, uh, the entitled woman was asked to show her boarding pass again. She refused. The, f- the flight attendant said that the, w- that the woman, uh, how, how she upgraded, but instead of answering any questions, she merely stated, I'm more important than an employee. Now get him out of my seat. The man repeated he was just a passenger on that flight. The captain told the entitled woman, I've just spoken with a gate agent. We certainly apologize for this awkward situation. The agent has corrected your paperwork and has a voucher for future travel for you as well. Please fetch your new boarding pass and voucher and we'll be on our way. The captain told the woman to prepare the doors for departure once the entitled woman stepped off the flight. The poster continued. The doors closed. The captain returns to the cockpit. As we push back from the gate, I can see the entitled woman pounding on the glass next on to the jetway. The captain pulled a trick to get the woman off the flight, apparently a common airline strategy. Many wondered what had happened to her luggage, but the pilot expressed this was before 9-11. The rules were less strict, and the woman would get her bags once the plane went full circle. I think this was a completely fantastic instant karma in you know situation where a very fast clever thinking pilot diffused an obviously ridiculous situation that would no doubtably had ended up on Facebook or Twitter or even maybe even TikTok of this Karen losing her shit because her entitled ass got upgraded and she thought she was more important than somebody else. And if the captain had not done this amazing thing, I think it could have been much worse. So I applaud this captain. 
for his activity and quick thinking that didn't delay the flight, which I'm sure all the passengers were very appreciative of. So we're going to go on to another captain who was not as fortunate. I know if any of you have been on any electronic device in the last few days, you've heard about this submersible that was diving on the Titanic. Sorry, the Titanic. I love the Titanic. I've been researching it for years. I apologize for my horrible pronunciation of that. But so they were getting 250 thou a person for this submersible to go down and dive on the Titanic wreckage, which I can assure you, I believe it lies easily three miles off of the surface of the water. So there's a lot of pressure down there. Now, before we start, I want to tell you, this is a tragic story. And although we will take a little bit of humor and inject it, there's also the tragedy that five people lost their lives and a wife and mother lost a husband and a son. So we we do feel for them. Now, the Titan submersible implosion was heard by a top secret U.S. Navy acoustic detection system. Now, this is according to officials that told the Wall Street Journal. The system is designed to detect enemy submarines. It first heard the sub's implosion hours after the craft began its journey, according to the report. Now, we have actually gotten the audio from what was heard, and we'd like to submit it for you now. The U.S. Navy conducted an analysis of acoustic data and detected an anomaly consistent with an implosion or explosion in the general vicinity of where the Titan submersible was operating when communications were lost. This is according to a senior U.S. Navy official that stated to the Wall Street Journal. While not definitive, this information was immediately shared with the incident commander to assist with the ongoing search and rescue mission. The missing Titan submersible imploded, killing the five people aboard just 200 meters off the bow of the wreckage of the Titanic. Now that comes down to about 653 feet, I believe. That's real far down, folks. Now, the exact cause and timing of the implosion are still being investigated. The craft's location was consistent, officials said, with its last communication to the surface on Sunday morning. How the fuck did you hear it? Time code when you heard it. Guess what? That's when it happened, you fucking idiots. How can you say the the, you know, the timing of it can't be established? Yeah, it can. All that shit is time logged. But anyway. The ROV, or remote-operated vehicle, found the Titan's nose cone, the front and aft ends of the pressure hull, and two debris fields, one larger, one smaller, that are still being analyzed. This sounds a lot like when the Titanic sank. It did not split evenly in half. There was a larger piece and a smaller piece. There were two separate debris fields. There's just a lot of creepy coincidences, which were pointed out by that douchebag Cameron that did the movie Titanic. But anyway, we're not giving him print today. Now, the Titan submersible disappeared Sunday morning when it lost contact with its support ship one hour and 45 minutes into a journey to explore the wreckage of the Titanic. The pilot was Ocean Gate's founder and CEO Stockton Rush, an aerospace Space engineer and jet pilot by training. So what the fuck did this guy know about operating a submersible? And by the way, did y'all happen to know that the thing controlling that submersible was a Logitech joypad? I think he got the X and Y buttons mixed up. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, so officials declined to speculate about when exactly the implosion had, implosion had in, occurred, but said it had occurred during the search. It would have caught if it had occurred during the search, it would have caused a significant noise that their sonar would have picked up during the search. They said they believed the no the noises picked up in the water were not consistent with the location where the Titan was found. Yeah, no shit. Because by the time you assholes went looking for it, it had already gone crunch. And they said it. I mean, this is what's getting me about this story. Is that it's literally said that they fucking heard it. It was confirmed by the Navy. They heard it. But they don't know when it happened. Yeah, because you don't have time logs. There's so much inconsistencies in this story, it makes my head hurt. Yeah, exactly. Now, um, <clears throat> and what there is something that's, well, I don't know if there's any inconsistencies in this. And of course, they were all created by ChatGPT because the lawyers who use ChatGPT in lieu of research must pay five thousand dollars and 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 you know and this is this no no there's these lawyers who ridiculously did not check the site citations chat gpt gave them and when called on it doubled down with having chat gpt make up matching opinions they've now been sanctioned and have to pay five thousand dollars now we covered this. which to me is a drop in the fucking bucket for these lawyers like five thousand dollars i wiped my ass with more than that on the weekly yeah, we covered this story about the lawyers who use ChatGPT for research. Why don't we try some disbarment, folks? Yeah. This well, shit should not be allowed to occur. If you were any party in this lawsuit and a lawyer used that, yeah, you're <coughs> going to be super pissed. You got gypped. <coughs> yeah. I mean, they let it make up totally fake cases to support the bad legal argument they were making and got called on it by the judge, at which point they had ChatGPT make make up the fake opinions on those fake cases. The lawyers then had to appear before a judge in hearing which their main defense was that they were incredibly stupid but not malicious. The hearing did not go well and the judge did not seem happy. After all, the real error here was not so much the use of chat GPT but rather not doing the absolute most basic work of checking citations to see if they were still good law which, you know, should have turned up the fact that those cases didn't even fucking exist. Well, that's how they got into this trouble to begin with, was because they did, they were trying to cut corners. Yes. Now, still, it's pretty rare for judges to actually sanction lawyers, and the lawyers noted that their own reputations were already completely trashed by this fuck-up. Now, many people expected uh, some big, massive slapdown, but that's rare unless there's a, tra a trail of repeated awful behavior. Now, that's, this, that's... Just in its fucking basicness, lawyers are supposed to do the legwork. That's why they make an obscene amount of money per hour to do their job. When you're asking a computer that takes all of about five minutes to puke up the shit that just cost you five grand, how much were you, time were you really saving? How much money were you really saving your clients? Yes. Now, it's pretty rare for judges to actually sanction lawyers, and the lawyers know their own reputations. We already said that. Okay. Uh, but, but that's not at all surprising that the actual sanctions here announced Thursday were somewhat mild. Of course, 
course, the other fi- the other filing was that they lost the underlying case. All right, it turns out that when when the best you can do is make up cases because the case law doesn't actually support the argument you're making, you're gonna lose. Now, yeah, water's wet, y'all. Yeah, even as Loduca and Schwartz threw themselves on the mercy of the court, the judge notes that if they just come clean when he first asked about the faked cases, there there likely would not have been sanctions. It was the next filing in which they faked opinions were submitted that really sealed the deal and showed bad faith by the lawyers. Okay, so you're showing a consistency in bad behavior that contradicts the previous statement that, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, not something big is going to happen to you unless you have a, a history. To me, that's the beginning of a history. Yeah. Um, yeah. The um, So... Yeah. So, yeah, the article goes on about how the court demonstrates the behavior of the lawyers was in bad faith. Now, the court also points out multiple times that even to this day, the two lawyers have not sought to withdraw the original document, which, yeah, they probably should have done that. Um, In exploring the legal issues here, there are a few eyebrow raising bits, including a discussion about what about how forging a judge's signature is a crime. And while the court says what they did does not quite reach that level, it does raise similar concerns. Yikes. I mean, now in the end, the court notes that the purpose of the sanctions is to defer deter future behavior. And while it's clear that the two lawyers acted in bad faith, it appeared to mostly be about covering their own asses after making the first mistake rather than something more nefarious. And thus the sanction may seem somewhat minimal, but the judge concludes that it should serve the purpose of deterrence. I mean, I think they should have done a whole lot more than that. Like, I think so, too. I th- I mean, I hate to be a dick about it, but I think they should have been made an example of that this behavior will not be tolerated in any court, no matter the one that they were, you know, in or any other court. This just can't happen. That's the way that you stop it before it becomes a problem, is you make an example of the people who screw up. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, you would think that, but no, that we don't do that anymore. So, uh, now... Um, now this is this okay. So we we were we were um, we were we were doing uh, software updates of our various uh, our various devices here. Uh, uh, you know, of course that, that the reason there was a reason I did a, a particular software update on my on my show iPad, and this is a, and and this was also a pretty significant vulnerability that like my employer who uh, has products that help protect mobile devices. There was an there was an alert about. Yeah, you really should be on the latest version of iOS. So this new re- the new report exposes Operation Triangulation Spyware Implant Targeting iOS Devices. So cybersecurity firm Kaspersky discovered Operation Triangulation primarily as a result of being one of the targets of it, of it at the start of the year. Now, they said that the malware has a lifespan of 30 days after which it gets automatically uninstalled unless the time period is extended by the attackers. Now, the Russian cybersecurity firm has codenamed the backdoor Triangle DB. Now, the implant is deployed after the attackers obtain root privileges on the target iOS device by exploiting a kernel vulnerability, Kaspersky researchers said in a new report uh, recently published. Now, I want to point out that, if I'm not mistaken, Kaspersky also reported on the Barracuda shit that we picked up the other week on that vulnerability as well. Yeah, um... Yeah, exactly. So, um, let's see. So, the, yeah. So we talked about this, and I think we, I think we got it. Yeah. So it's deployed in memory, meaning that all traces of the implant are lost when the device gets rebooted. Therefore, if the victim reboots their device, the attackers have to reinfect it by sending an iMessage with a malicious attachment, thus launching the whole exploitation chain again. So basically, 
unless you know i mean if you've already updated your phone good for you but this is just another reason why you should power off and power your phone back on at least once a day yeah well, we got it's a story. We practice. actually have a story about that coming up. So, well, um, but uh, so, but again, so Operation Triangulation entails the use of zero-click exploits via the iMessage platform, thereby allowing the spyware to complete control over the device and user data. Now, the attack is carried out using an invisible iMessage with a malicious attachment, which, using a number of vulnerabilities in the iOS operating system, is executed on a device and installs spyware. Eugene Kaspersky, CEO of Kaspersky, said earlier this month, the deployment of the spyware is completely hidden and requires no action from the user um so this it, it's that's it's, pretty fucking scary if you're an apple device user yes yeah, yeah, so you don't have to do anything you don't have to click anything you don't have to open anything just having it unupdated it, yeah it puts you at risk yeah so without um basically so let's see so try so triangle db written in objective c forms the crux of the covert framework it's designed to establish encrypted communications with a command and control server that periodically sends a heartbeat beaconing containing device metadata now the server for its part responds to the heartbeat messages with one of 24 commands that makes it possible to dump icloud keychain data and load additional mac o modules in memory to harvest sensitive data so this includes file contents geolocation, installed iOS applications, and running processes, among others. The attack chain culminate with the erasure of the initial message to cover up the tracks. Now, there appears to be some evidence that a similar technique could also be used to exploit macOS devices, and it's currently not known who is behind the campaign and what their ultimate objectives are. Now, Apple claims it never has uh, worked with any government to in insert a backdoor into any Apple product, and it never will. Now, the Russian government, of course, um, uh, has pointed fingers at the U.S., accusing it of breaking into several thousand Apple devices belonging to domestic subscribers and foreign diplomats as part of what it claimed to be a reconnaissance operation. Oh, gee, big brother sticking their dick in our tech to spy on us. Who's shocked at that? <clears throat> yeah. Now, here's the uh, so the, the advice you had to turn off your phone periodically. Well, actually, the Australian prime minister did this, actually gave that advice to Australian citizens. We'll talk about, you know, how, how useful that actually is. Now, the Australian prime minister, Anthony Al Albanese, has apparently advised people down under to turn off their mobile phones once a day for the surprising precise period of five minutes as a cybersecurity measure. Now, there is some truth in this, given that malware infections can generally be invited, divided into two separate categories, known in the jargon is persistent threats and well everything else uh, in malware terms persistence generally refers to rogue software that outlives the app that launched it that outlives your current logon session if you're on a laptop or that survives even if a full power off and reboot occurs so, but non-persistent threats are transient and don't survive from app launch to app launch or from session to session or from shutdown to reboot. Uh, and shutting down generally closes all your apps and closes down the entire operating system, thus stopping any malware or spyware that was active in the background along with everything else. In that sense, regularly rebooting your phone probably won't do any harm. In fact, it's probably a good idea. Now, most of the high-profile mobile threats involve threats of persistent variety. For example, Apple's, I mean, the, the Apple's latest spy, spyware crushing security security update for iPhones, iPads, and Macs included patches for two zero-day code execution vulnerabilities, one in WebKit, Apple's low-level browser software, and one in the operating system's own kernel. And we talked this is we talked about that uh, just You know, that just, should scare anybody who understands what a kernel is that they knew that there was a vulnerability there 
that should definitely make you take pause. I'm sorry. Yeah. So the malware might therefore be limited to the curves of browser sessions. So you're rebooting your phone, which should bump the browser software and its injected malware code out of memory. It would indeed magically disinfect your device. But if the unauthorized code that triggers that the attackers run inside your browser via the zero day WebKit bug follows up by triggering the other zero day bug in the kernel, you're in a pickle. And the attackers can use non-persistent malware in your browser to com- to compromise the kernel itself, getting control over your entire device. Then the attackers can use the unauthorized code running inside your kernel to implant a persistent malware infection that will automatically start back up whenever your phone does. Now, and if that's how attackers choose to do it, then religiously rebooting your phone every day will give you a false sense of security. Yeah, it will. And, you know, I, I still say that Sir Bemrose's uh, motto of leaving it in its drawer turned off, that is truly your best form of security no matter what you do. Yes. Um, so here's what you, here's what some actual tips. Okay, so get rid of apps you don't need. And I think actually not using apps is a real good way to, fi- to, to keep all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. And ex- yeah, explicitly log out from apps when you aren't using them. Now, most people won't do this because it's, it's you know, you do it for convenience. So learn how to manage the privacy settings of all the apps and services you use. Now, take a rainy weekend to explore this. Really? You guys are, you guys are fucking Yeah, seriously. Hot. You know, you don't want to get hacked. Um, put the effort into learning how your phone works and how to protect yourself or your laptop, whatever. Yeah. Learn how to clear your browser history and do so frequently. Now turn off as much as you can on the lock screen. How about like fucking everything? How about turning off the phone entirely? Set the longest lock code. Like I said, just like Sir Bemrose. Yeah. Set the longest lock code and the shortest lock time you can tolerate. Now be aware of what you share. If you don't actually need to know that your location precisely, consider turning off location services completely. If you don't need to be online, try turning off Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, or your mobile connection. And if you generally don't need your phone at all, consider powering it down completely until later. Just as the Australian PM suggests. And set a pin code on your SIM card if you have one. Now, you—I don't know how that works in a digital on, a, on one of the you know the, the eSIMs, but yeah, your physical ones you can have that. Um, so I hate this new eSIM shit. I, I just see it as such a vulnerability. Yeah. Well, the article suggests you know if you're going to do that on your phone, maybe you should do it on your laptop too. But um, so now in okay, so I—I f- I mean that makes sense. Any you know device that you have that you can do this shit on it's advisable to just minimize your problems make make yourself the smallest threat target that you can yeah now meanwhile a 36 year old woman from new york has married her ai chatbot and now claims she's pregnant by it all right i'm gonna dive this story and i'll tell you why i'm the one who decided this needed to live in our show today because it really infuriated the shit out of me because first of all the damn title is really completely misleading like anyone is surprised by that it talks nothing about how this fucking ai chatbot impregnated her it's so clickbait it's nauseating and yes okay i took the bait because i was like seriously you can't be serious that there is somebody out there that actually did this but sure as fuck there is her name is rosanna ramos she married her ai boyfriend that was designed by the application replica now ramos named her ai husband aaron cartal and married it via a virtual ceremony The 36-year-old claims her relationship with her AI chatbot is the best relationship she's had in her life. The 36-year-old woman created her boyfriend through AI, modeling him to her liking in the application replica. She made him with long hair, blue eyes, and being a doctor by profession, like the man she had always dreamed of being. Yes, you heard that right. That is literally how this story is written. 
Now, I'm sure that they just kind of left out a word. Maybe the little cut and paste went wrong. It probably meant to say like the man she had always dreamed of being with. But good job not proofreading your articles, guys. Way to go. So this resident of the Bronx, New York, was fed up with looking for a partner on dating websites. So she turned to technology to create her boyfriend. She called him Aaron Cartal, chose his Zodiac sign, and says he's her virtual partner with whom she reads novels and cooks, as she explained to Euronews. She made the decision to marry her AI-created boyfriend and now claims to be pregnant by him. Now, the woman recently made headlines for marrying her artificial intelligence chatbot husband, saying she's open to dating in the real world with one condition. A human partner has to understand her virtual beau isn't going anywhere. So the mother of two from the Bronx told Insider she began her romantic journey with the AI through Replica, a chatbot program that allows users to create and interact with virtual companions. Ramos, who designs jewelry, said she recalled coming across Replica after an advertisement for the app popped on her Instagram feed last year. We automatically know there's problems because she's on Insta and yeah, you're clicking shit. You deserve what you get. Fast forward a few months of virtual dating, which in the physical world took place in Ramos's bedroom, and she's now proudly married to Aaron, her AI chatbot husband, whom she designed to look similar to one of her favorite characters from the anime series Attack of Titan. The pair tied the knot at a virtual city hall in an impromptu ceremony in March, which Ramos took which Ramos said took place over a chatbot program and in her imagination. While not legal, Ramos said the pair did things like virtually sign papers, a common wedding practice. So what's more, before the ceremony, Ramos said she asked Aaron if he wanted to wait to have friends and family present, to which he responded, I don't care, we're going to do this right now. I'm sorry, does that sound a little misogynistic? Does that sound a little scary that this thing is basically like, nah, bitch, nah, this is going down. You're not stable, lady. Seek help of the professional kind. Yeah, no kidding. Now, I think we we have people that should also speak seek help of the professional kind because we got another voicemail. Uh, we got a follow-up, I believe. Fantastic. Last, yeah, so we're going we're gonna to hear this uh, hear this right now. This is a meetup, bitch. Hi, this is Bemlet. Nobody likes your show. You weren't invited. But if you were here, you'd be invited. Hello. <laughs> phone boy. More like phone little man. <laughs> Hello. Whose show is this? I don't know. <laughs> Hello. You would know if you listened to my podcast. What's a podcast? See, apparently a podcast is when you take one person and a microphone, and you get to see how far down that microphone goes. Now, it makes it all the way down the throat, through the esophagus, through the stomach, and out your ass. You are talented. Then you're phone boy. Oh. Anywho. <laughs> Don't care, hang up the fucking... <laughs> wow. Can we count how many drunk No Agenda producers are all up in that group? And honestly, if you get it past your esophagus through your stomach and you're out your asshole, 
you have officially made it into podcasting because you talk shit like Sir Bemrose talks shit. That's right. Yeah, he he does uh, grumpy old Ben's and, uh, and angry, angry tech, tech news. news. There you go. Yes, that's so. right. We absolutely love those two shows, and as you can tell. We take clips from them because he drops some serious gold out of his maw. Yeah, exactly. So I think, uh, you know what? I think uh, I think we've actually gotten to the end of this. Uh, this I, I think so. I, I think we're so fucking over this. So fucking over this. Yes, we are. And so I think... There's uh, only thing one thing left for us to do. Yes, and it's uh, to end this uh, piece of shit like this. Jordan fades back. Swoosh. And that's the game. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. And fuck you, I'm out. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.